What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to HCS Pro Talk, your weekly Halo Esports podcast. My voice went, did something fucky there. That was that was exciting. Um, this is episode 319 for the week of December 25th, 2023. And the title of this week's episode is Would You Pay to Watch Halo Esports? Kind of a kind of a clickbaity title in a way, but based off of how the original conversation started and then how it evolved after the fact, I thought that'd be kind of an appropriate title to name the episode because fuck it, you know what I mean? Um, my name is Josh, a.k.a. JK Fire, and unintentionally have a hoodie that now matches the exact same color as my water bottle. So that exists. And this <laughs> week I'm joined by the man in the OG HCS Space Station hoodie, Will, a.k.a. I am Mr. Mayhem, and also OG Halo Outpost Discovery dad hat, Will, a.k.a. I am Mr. Mayhem. Will, how are you doing on this Tuesday evening. I'm doing all right. I was a little thrown off by it being Tuesday and being here. I was like, I was just gaming at home and I'm like, oh shit, like the, the pods tonight. I got to get ready and get out of here. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is tonight. Um, Holt says not wearing the blanket hoodie. Shame. I wore it all day yesterday and Will can attest to this. It can get toasty in this room. And wearing a blanket hoodie of all hoodies in this room during the show would be a disaster. Yeah, I get toasty just in a sweatshirt. Yeah. So I thought, you know, why not just rock the new Lursen merch? Lursen merch? Oh my God, Lursen merch! Do that meme from back in the day. Oh my God, That's what Fuck! Lucid merch. It arrived way earlier than I thought it was going to. So big ups to Lucid on having uh, fast shippers. Um, it smelled like ass when it came out of the packaging, though, so it needed a good wash first. But uh, now it's good to go, and it matches the color of my water bottle, so I'm not I'm not going to be mad about it. Um, before we get started, Will, yes. let me give a shout-out to those who are joining us in the live show right now. We have Halt, John, Riz, Ashley, Ricky, Tyler, excuse me, Shoal Nuff, Absent, I will get to your sub in just a second. Don't you worry. And PD, welcome back, everybody. PD says happy holidays. Happy holidays to you as well. Um, we know that we we purchased all the fucking holiday shit in the Halo Infinite store because why not? We love wasting money and we love holiday shit. And what better way to do that within our game that we love to hate and love to love? And that's that. Absent with the five-month resub, you get a woo! Thank you so much for the resub. Mickwin says, ready for this. Good convo time. Mickwin, I'm ready for you. I was about to make a Taylor Swift reference. I decided not to. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know you would. So, there's that. <laughs> Will, do you want to know what's coming up on this week's episode of the show? What do we got? Major uh, More major roster announcements have arrived, and we have our topic of financial stability in esports. That, yes, was kicked off by none other than Austin McWin in the chat. Thank you for joining us. But, Will, we don't even have any competitive news to talk about because nothing really happened in that realm. But yeah. we do have something else that happened. So what do we got next? Roster! Kicking it off with Roster Mania. Let's go. Some announcements occurred over the past week. First off, we'll start with Carmea. He's 
also doing a rebrand, rebrand like Penguin to Dead Zone. He is now Descendant. So new tag for Carmea, for those who may have been seeing that around, but didn't realize who it was. If you didn't know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. Tony! <laughs> uh, Gilkey announced that he is a free agent, unrestricted free agent for the next season, so we'll see where Gilk will land. Go get your Gilk milk here! Get your Gilk milk! Or Gilk duds, whatever you prefer. Ooh, Gilk duds. I haven't heard that one before. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, baby. Halt says Descendant is better than Dead Zone. Halt, you're a fucking hater. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're not a hater. That sounded very aggressive. Akuza, I'll pay for Halo if I get to see Josh uh, artistically naked. What? You know, the, the whole Twitch thing. Oh, I was the, like, the wait a fucking second. What? And... No, no, thank you. I'm good. I know what you were. I know what you were referencing, Halt. I was just giving you shit. Like I said, I think my comment was overly aggressive. Just out here catching strays tonight. Next up, um, sad to see Navi releases their roster and leaves the HCS. So uh, they put out a statement: Navi Esports Club has discontinued its Halo Infinite division for more than two years since its formation. Our team has. Com- competed at two world championships and all major tournaments in the discipline. Our best result was seventh, eighth place at Halo World Championship 2023. They were on the upward trajectory too. In addition, Born to Win consistently ranked in the top three of European online tournaments and are considered one of the strongest teams in the region. We are grateful to all the teams, play, teams players, Jimbo, Mighty, Sniper, and Glory, and coach Wonderboy for this long adventure and fantastic matches that will forever remain in the memory of the club's fans. Starting today, all players on the roster become free agents. We wish them the best of luck in the future. So Jimbo basically all but confirmed this was happening based off of his free agency tweet um, alongside his teammates, um, obviously excluding glory from that because of things that have yet to officially be announced at this point in time. Um, But... It's this does suck in the sense of a team leaving um, because this, I mean, the, I don't think we're having a cloud nine situation on our hands here, folks. They, they're no longer going to be in the partnership program because they're out of the fucking scene. Um, so there's another team that's going to be gone. So yeah, if you haven't bought the Navi skins yet, and I mean, I don't know how, that's because what's supposed to happen is when you buy the skins, a portion of that sale is supposed to go to the players of the team. So does it go to the players or does it go to the org? I thought it was supposed to go to, well, I thought it was supposed to go to the org and then just be dispersed to the players. That's what I thought it was supposed to be. Maybe I'm wrong though. Maybe I'm totally off base here. But either way, if you want to support a defunct organization from the HCS, then please go ahead and buy those skins if it doesn't necessarily go to the players, or if you want to, hopefully it does support the players, in which case, uh, collect, you're right. Who's right? Which one's right? I'm confused. If the money go, (laughs) if some of the money still goes to the players that are now free agents from that organization, then buy the skins. But if this, if the proceeds do not go to the players, but only go to the organization, fuck those skins. There. Bada bing, bada boom. The gentleman in the blue. Is this really blue though? It's light blue. 
Let me go to Lucid's merch shop and find out the. <laughs> but, but yeah, if they're like Mickwin says, if they're dropped, chances are they won't receive a cut. Well then, don't buy them. You know what I mean? Just don't buy it. Holt says it's Aqua Marine. Josh is looking up the color. I genuinely want to know what well, I bought. What? I want to know what what I bought. <laughs> While he's doing that, Quadrant released Legend. They state, today we say farewell and thank you to Legend. He will always be a part of the Quadrant and Halo history. Part of Quadrant and Halo history, sorry. Achieving the highest placement for a European team in HCS. For now. We wish him all the best in future endeavors. Roster update coming soon. It's Peppermint. It's Okay. According to the Lucid Merchandise Store, it is Peppermint. Take that as you will. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, Holy shit. In reply to Quadrant, Legend said, No words to say how grateful I am to have been part of this organization and this team. It's been an incredible year, and without my teammates in Quadrant, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wish them the best going forward. Sika also responded, now, now regarding Quadrant's future, be assured that we'll do everything in our power to represent EU Halo better than ever. This is only the beginning. Still just waiting on that announcement there, Quadrant boys. Get it done. It's the last domino that needs to fall for that three-team shenanigans to finish. Um, God. And with Legend leaving Quadrant. Yes. The announcement's official. SSG signs Legend. And in French, yes. they posted, did you see this coming? Welcome SSG Legend. I just want to say this real quick. PD. <laughs> oh, I just read that. PD with the statement of the year, in my opinion... If there was ever a, a message from chat to print out, put into a frame, and frame it up for the set, PD states, this show gets me so bricked up to play Halo. Might be statement of the year. Right there. Shout out to PD. All right. Um, that's all we had for Roster Mania. No more crazy announcements or shakeups yet. Um, we'll see where everyone lands in the future, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully so soon. Just real quick. Real quick, because clearly I'm not fucking prepared at all for today. That's what happens when we don't have a show on a Monday. I'm just like fucking scatterbrained. Um, thanks a lot, Christmas. The fuck? So we're still waiting on... We're still waiting on four. We're still waiting on four organizations out of the top 12 from Worlds 2023 to make their announcement. Matt L21, welcome. First time chatter. Brick by brick, LOL. Bricked by brick. Bricked by bricked up. Oh, LOL. my God. I need to stop. That was unintentional. No, PD. It was, it was pure intention is what that was. It was pure passion. Pure passion, PP. Just absolute, absolute PP, dude. Oh my God. Okay. 
Are we good? Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. It's time for your upcoming tournaments of the week presented by Noobcom.com. Check out Noobcom.com for all your Halo Wii sports needs. Shout out Maddie Rums. Fuck you, Maddie Rums. Friday, December 29th, we have the Halo Agent 4v4. On Saturday, December 30th, we have the no, none other than Pure Delight Holiday Doubles Tournament. Guys, I know we don't have the biggest reach in the world, but I just want to say this. They're still taking signups, so please, they, they want to fill more spots on this for this tournament. Um, so if you have not signed up yet, it's a doubles tournament. Find a buddy, get in there, sign up, compete. PD puts on great events, and uh, it's, yeah, just, it it's, I've said it before and I'll say it again. PD has some of the best vibes in the entire scene by far. Like, you go into one of his streams, it's fun, you're laughing, you're vibing, you're always having a good time, and the tournaments are the exact same way. The exact same way. So sign up there, find a duo, sign up, compete, have a good time. PD always brings the vibes. Tyler, the doubles tournament is on the 30th, Saturday, December 30th. Do it up. Absence says, stop bricking them up, Josh. No. Can't stop, won't stop bricking. I need to have the fucking... <laughs> I don't know how... I don't know how long I want to drag this out for. You know what I mean? Uh, PD, I got you. I'll put the... Oh, I'm not even on our Twitch page on my... Whoa! <laughs> my PC's like, you're going to be a tablet now. Will's computer's going fucking haywire it's right freaking now. freaking out. Do you want me to post it? You know, if you could, while I sort it. this shit out. I'll post the tweet. Hold on. Here's the tweet. I'm going to post it. Boop, boop, boop. There you go. Go check that out. Oh my god! I think it was Twitch's like sub banner thing that freaked oh, out sure. my computer. I'll tell you one thing: PD doesn't have to worry about what's that. Ed. All right, let's move on. So, <laughs> yeah, now it's definitely time to move on. Yep, and then uh, the HCS offseason FFA FFA series is also taking place on the thirtieth. But who gives a shit about that when you can be playing at PD's holiday double tournament? That's taking place. <laughs> I feel bad for even thinking of that dumb fucking joke, but I'm like, we're already so we're far in the we're hole. We're so far into this right now that it's like you know, might as well go all the way. And then Sunday, December thirty first, we have the Husky Halo number one that is also taking place. Um, that's it for the upcoming tournaments. The upcoming tournaments of the week presented by Nukecom.com. Fuck you, Batty Rubs. Script Tournament League recaps of the week. I don't think I have anything for you, to be honest with you, Will. There's things here. I mean, I didn't fill them out. Okay, well, if you like want to so leave fucked. them. All right, if you, if you want to check out these standings, they're in the show notes. Wait. Wait. Exclamation point show notes in chat. What, what am I waiting for now? Because I have your. I could just say people could go find them at the link. Or you could do this. Right you're gonna po- you're gonna literally post the fo- the things right now. I need some. Uh, I'll just do this Jeopardy music while Josh is for the EHL season for slaying FFA. In third place, you had Mighties with fifty, Warlord with fifty two in second, and Bastos with sixty four in first place. There you go. All right. Are you going through the others, or should we just... Well, for the Halo Agent 4v4, that doesn't exist. Oh, okay. There was a Under the Christmas Tree 2v2. 
Um, I'm not going to join that Discord server, and they didn't include a link for the bracket. So, nope. Sorry, not sorry. There you go. There it is. That's it. That's it for the Tournament League recaps. The show's a wild one today. Uh, Martin, welcome back, says, I guess to add on new names, apparently meanest is scariotic. No idea if he's legal to play or not these days. I will fucking know, man. I don't know. I know that there was a lot of stuff regarding scariotic before in the before times. Dude, I don't know. It's a Tuesday. I'm fucking dumb today. I don't have time for drama. You know what I mean? What are we talking about? We're moving on to the topic. Sweet. Our topic is financial stability in esports. And remember how, uh, Tyler, what hand, mo- what hand motion did I even make? Because now I'm uh, concerned. Did you do like the. See, I'm wondering if, because I don't like, I never mind. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there because like, maybe I made a jerk off hand motion. And I'm like, was that intentional? No, it wasn't intentional. But if I made it, I made it, you know, the topic is with dick jokes. We're talking about dick jokes. The scariotic drama hand motion. Oh, again, I don't even know what hand motion I made. It must have just been what it is. You know what? Let's get back on track real quick. Go sign up for PD's doubles tournament, please. Go sign up for that. They have a lot of openings still. I want to see a lot of people competing in that. It's all for a fucking good time. And there's going to be, um, like PD had mentioned, proceeds go towards funding a team to compete at LAN in the 2024 season. That's fucking awesome. Like, that is truly fucking awesome. So if you want to support the grassroots scene, just the community that he's been building, please go do so. Love that man. Love what he's been doing. And this is all out of, like, all out of pure passion. Like, I make the pee-pee joke all the time. but no, this is literally all out of pure passion. So please, go do so. Okay. Financial stability in esports. So Mick Wynn, in what really started the conversation, put out a tweet and he said, hot take, but esports events might need to move to pay-per-view. And then Golden Boy retweeted it and said, makes sense and something MLG tried years ago, but it got a lot of heat for it. So we can't monetize the broadcast product because it'll shut out a portion of the audience, but the audience won't watch ads yet somehow expect this all to remain free, LOL. Anyone got any guesses? And then... Will, I took the link that you put um, in the Discord server yeah. to the recording that you had of Golden Boy's stream. So if you want to go check out that entire VOD, it's in the Google Doc of the show. It's the show, exclamation point, show notes in chat. Um, I believe that link has been updated, so you should be good to go on that. And then, okay, so let's let's start with this kind of conversation here first, Will, because I'm curious about your thoughts on it. Um and then we'll and then we're gonna broaden out to like esports as a whole. And again, the whole like point of the topic, financial stability. Okay. Okay. So I wanna ask you, do you think that esports events should move to pay-per-view? Or in, in some capacity move in that direction? What would it, you oh, man. what would you prefer as a as a viewer of esports? I mean, prefer not paying for it, right? Of course. Of course. Um do you okay? Let me ask you this: Do you currently watch ads or no? On Twitch, yes. 
I have Twitch Turbo, so I currently do not watch ads, but then I pay to not watch ads. Yes. Okay. So you are a paid subscriber of something that gets rid of ads for you on broadcast. Yes. Okay. That is, that are not built in advertisements. Like, like during it, for example, what I mean by this is when you watch an HCS broadcast, for example, and they come in and they're like, the HCS is brought to you by the Marines, um, or AMD, blah, 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 stuff like that. And during their breaks of their broadcast, they have those built-in ads. Those aren't Twitch ads. Those are the broadcasts ads that are like baked into the actual broadcast. Okay. So we can't get rid of those. Those are there no matter what. But what we can get rid of are like Twitch ads that pop up during a broadcast of like anybody's stream or whatever it is. So that's what, that's what Will and I also pay for Twitch Turbo. So that is what we pay for. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, pay-per-view is tough because you might lose out on the portion of the community that doesn't dive into like, just let's just take halo. Mm -hmm. If you're not a hardcore halo fan, but you do watch the tournaments just to throw them on because you know, maybe your friends like them or whatever. And you just want to catch a tournament that they're talking about. You might throw it on and watch, but if you had to pay anything for that, you're, you're not tuning in just like me. I, I will tune in to the cod tournaments, the VCT rainbow six every once in a while. Yeah. If I had to pay for any of that, I'm I'm never a, I'm never a viewer. May I ask a question to chat real quick? Because we are outliers here in in a sense that we pay for Twitch Turbo. Okay, yeah. so we we're, we're not going to experience Twitch ads. My question to those out there right now that do not pay for Twitch Turbo, but do in fact watch HCS other esports events, are there Twitch ads on those broadcasts as well? as the baked in advertisements they have within the broadcast or no. I'm genuinely curious. Like if you open up, if you open up an esports broadcast on Twitch, Yadin says, yes, Mickwin says I'm turbo. Okay. Mickwin, no offense, but you're not in this conversation right now. Show enough subs to the HCS. Those ads don't go to the HCS. Okay, that's fine. I'm just curious if people are watching them. The, the what he's saying is those ads. Yeah, the revenue is not going towards. No, that. it goes to Twitch. Right, right. No, I'm just wondering from a viewer standpoint if you're seeing those ads or not. So D Davey Havoc says yes, you got to watch the ads. Okay, okay, that's that's what I wanted to know because what I was personally curious of is if the broadcasters themselves have it have the ability to because I don't know if they have the ability to turn off those ads to make it so the only ads that are being shown during their broadcast are the ones that they physically put into their broadcast. Now, Sheet says not on HCS channels. Hmm. Mickwin says Twitch has ads everywhere now, like very, very heavy ads. So we yeah. don't have Twitch Turbo on the Pro Talk channel. Um... So like if I'm watching somebody stream on the Pro Talk channel, then I obviously do get ads. And yes, those are very frequent if we're being honest. There's almost always a pre-roll ad now. Yes. Yep. You were not wrong about that. It's suggested to me to run five minutes uh, of ads per hour, says McWin. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, partnered, um, partnered streamers do get 
add contracts on top of their like revenue contracts, okay. so to speak. And I've heard that sometimes they can ask from anywhere from three minutes an hour to, I mean, I've heard up to 10 minutes an hour of ads. Okay. Jesus Christ. And they're, they're, they're presented to them in brackets, right? Like if you run three minutes of ads per hour, we'll pay you this much. If you run five minutes of ads per hour, we'll pay you this much. McQuinn says this month was four to seven. And then he says, I had a 15 minute per hour suggestion last year. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like you got to stream more McQuinn. <laughs> um, okay. I was, that's what I was genuinely curious about though, because as people who pay for Twitch turbo, we don't, we obviously in our main channels, we don't see the amount of pre-roll, the amount of like mid roll, so on and so forth ads that Twitch has. Right. Um, so I was curious if on official broadcasted channels of these esports organizations, if they were, if like, if Twitch had ads on those alongside the ones that the organizations actually have themselves. Yes. So, okay. That answers that question. I guess the reason why I asked that will is because. So Mick, when I'm going to, I'm going to open this up to you and you, you may have already talked about this. I'm not well versed in this and will obviously I want to hear your thoughts on it too. So here's where I'm kind of conflicted, right? Is that, and I'm going to sound naive, so please like bear with me here because I'm trying to wrap my head around this right now. The reason why I asked that previous question is because while Twitch obviously is not giving that money for their ads to those, like to the HCS, mm-hmm. right? The HCS has their baked in ads for AMD, Marines, whatever it may be in their broadcast, right? So they're obviously getting paid for those. Whatever whatever that contract amounts to, I they're, they're getting paid whatever, right? Yeah. There's something there. There's a contractual, there's a contractual obligation there. So wouldn't that, and again, I'm being naive. Wouldn't that like circumvent the need to having a pay-per-view stream because you're already having baked in ads there. Well, that's part of it is the, like the baked in ads that pay HCS still aren't enough. Like they're not, it's not enough money that, okay. That clearly makes sense. That clearly makes sense. Um, that must be like a dull moment for me in the past. It did, but sponsors have learned that 250,000 viewers does not equal a high percentage of engagement. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that was definitely a dull Josh moment right there. <laughs> um, and I heard a lot of other major sports sponsors are done paying cash. So, okay. I want to, we're going to go back to the pay-per-view thing, but this kind of leads into that second part. So Drew Spark, Golden Boy retweeted this, and he said, there's a lot of opinions flying around about the state of esports and how viable it is as a career pursuit. The best advice I can give to any young players coming up is to make sure you have a backup plan. Finish school, learn in-demand skills to broaden your employment opportunities, network. Accept that the esports industry is volatile in its current state. Work hard towards your goals, but also be realistic about any opportunities that come your way. Prioritize number one. The reason why I included that here in this topic is because, now again, I'm naive in the sense that I'm not a professional player. I don't have, like, I'm not making money from a contract as being a professional player or a content creator or, like, somebody within an organization, right? So I don't know all the inner workings of that. 
what I do, maybe not necessarily know, but like feel like I have an understanding of is what Drew Sparks said here is that it's esports is volatile. Like esports is a volatile business. And I want, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but I think people, I, I want people to understand where I'm coming from. Esports are not traditional sports. Okay. What I mean by that is I feel that when things were getting bigger and bigger, it felt as though, and, and you saw a lot of this money being thrown around, right? Again, please don't take me the wrong way about this. It's just what I thought about it is that a lot of these players coming in, a lot of these new players coming in or whatever, like, I don't know if expect is the right word to use here, but like, it feels like they were kind of expecting to get like six figure contracts or like, you know, traditional sports contracts, multi-million dollar, whatever it is. I'm not saying like all these players, I'm not saying every player. It's just when you see all this money being thrown around in esports. And what Drew Spark is getting at here, have your backup plans, go to school, finish school, learn trade skills, understand that esports being as volatile as it is. And now, like Mickwin, what you were referencing earlier, where sponsors are not putting nearly as much money as they used to anymore into this, because maybe they're not seeing return on their investment. Like, I feel. And I think Adam um, Apicella was talking about this as well a while ago is that they were like, they I'm using the umbrella. They were trying to treat esports like traditional sports in terms of business. Sure. Where it's not that like, that's not what this is. And it's not necessarily what it needs to be. They, they these two things don't need to be the same. You know what I mean? Right. And now um, Mickwin says, yeah, in 2017, when all, that mo- when all that money came in for the, uh, overwatch world league, they, uh, they chased esports. bad decision. We're closer to skating UFC in my opinion. See, so that's, that's kind of the point that I'm getting at here is that I feel like there's th- these preconceived notions of players coming in or people coming in and being like, Oh, there's so much money in this. And that bubble has kind of burst or that, that make believe bubble that really didn't even need to be a thing in the first place, but because of all this money coming in, things got inflated so quickly things burst. And now we're in a situation where you have people losing their jobs. You have organizations completely restructuring, completely eliminating positions, losing sponsorship money, having to drastically like drastically carve things down. It's, It sucks. It just sucks. So I don't really know the point that I'm getting at here, but I I just wanted to bring that up. I guess. I don't know. It sounded like you're on the path of all this money came into esports with the expectation that it would provide more. Yeah. Like, Business booming. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yes. That's exactly it. Yes. But that didn't happen. No, it stayed. (laughs) It got to a point 
and you could say it almost plateaued, right? It didn't keep rising. Uh, Dusty, Eli is not the only one. A lot of people have not been paid by G1. Not, not not like downplaying that Eli needs to get paid because he absolutely does. I mean, we fucking we tweeted it and everything. Like he absolutely deserves to get paid. So many people from G1 need to get paid, my man. So many. It's fucking insane. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, like Mick Wynn said, fake money came in, chased the wrong goals, and that's that's just it. Is it wasn't. It got inflated and wasn't built to sustain. It was inflated, and we're going to burn through all this money to do the best we can. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't work. Um, and then you had, like you, like Mick would mention, the Overwatch World League. You have the CDL. We had that whole discussion about franchise leagues yeah, and how good or bad that would be. Because I'm not going to lie to you. Believe it or not, there are aspects of it that I do enjoy about a franchise league. I like the idea, the idea of having a regional sports team to pay more attention to, to be more invested in, to get the merchandise because they are located here. Right? So like when the Minnesota rocker was announced, you and I were stoked. Yeah. Oh my God. A professional call of duty organization. That's rooted in Minnesota. They have a home event that we went to like, and it was, it was just really cool to see. We were invo- we wanted to be involved in getting their merchandise. We wanted to be involved in paying attention to that team. We knew somebody that, we, well, more than one person that worked for version one. Like, we were invested in it. But at the same time, I can completely understand, like, it's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable. And, again... Maybe I'm naive, but I look at the but I look at the Call of Duty League. I'm gonna fucking throw the Overwatch World League out of this, but like because that's a whole other can of worms. But like we look at the CDL, right? And I look at that league. I can't help but feel as though the CDL only exists today because of the companies that own it. You know what I mean? Like if it wasn't Microsoft and Activision that owned it. I wouldn't see it surviving or being the way that it is today. Yeah. I just wouldn't. Mick Wynn said it's a loss leader for them. That's right. The average uh, sports fan spends $50 toward their favorite sports annually. Esports is $5. With that being said too, there's wow. a lot more traditional sports fans out there than there are esports fans. Oh, one thousand percent. Um, the biggest thing about a lot of that a lot of people ignore those companies make an absolute killing in microtransactions due to the event. I'm not saying we got to skip to fifty. No, let's skip to fifty. I want to skip to fifty. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And six just literally repeated what you said. Also, six, welcome to the live show. Thank you for the follow. So, I'm sorry. I've been rambling a lot. I apologize. What are your thoughts on the situation? What would you like to see? Mm. What are you thinking? This is a tough discussion because the average demographic for esports 
is like 15 to 21. Now, when you get down into those 15, 16 year olds, maybe even 17 year olds, they don't have jobs yet. They don't have money to pay into esports. They don't, yeah, don't have a consistent income yeah. or consistent disposable income. So then you're alienating part of your demographic already there. If um, we went to pay-per-view. If we went to a straight up pay-per-view. Yep. You're alienating the casual fan because not everyone's as hardcore as us that follow every little move and every roster change and, um, you know, all, all the online events and all that. They just tune in for the big ones. They might be like, oh, I got to pay for this. Why, why am I doing this now? It's like we've, Golden Boy said it in his stream that we may have already dug the hole because we have not been pay-per-view for so long. That changing now would be too big of a disruption. Um, Mick one says the hole is dug. It's going to take it all blowing up. It, it's, it's tough. Um, what I did see, some people commented like, what if these esports events like? They're being broadcasted, but you don't get an HD stream unless you pay in five bucks. Then you can get into the 720 and 1080p. Funny you bring that up. If I'm not mistaken, MLG did that back in the day. Mickwin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I swear, like MLG TV, way back, you were able to you were able to subscribe or like pay a monthly fee or whatever it was, and you would get um, you would get the HD stream. Yes. So he yeah. says, yeah, they were full pay-per-view, then moved to freemium, which was HD in the VODs. I believe Thank Go you. Golden Boy also mentioned, like, maybe it, it was what Equate's saying here, MLG TV, where you got to see, like, each player's POV and yeah. all that, but it didn't really blow up. There was, like, maybe... He, Golden Boy said, like, well, there was 35 people in the stream. Like, that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And the amount of equipment and extra setup and time it took to produce that it was a loss. Yeah. So if you, yeah. So even if you did do pay-per-view for that type of broadcast, uh, like a freemium model, so where the base broadcast is free, but you would pay a pay-per-view fee to get the access to the individual POVs, whether it be like four segments or whatever it is. Yeah. Then like you're saying, the amount of time to set up and everything in the production needed and the crew needed and equipment needed just wouldn't be viable anyway. Right. Because you're paying more staff to manage that. Yeah. And, and how many people are you going to get to pay for it? Because I know, like, I know that there's going to be people in the chat right now. There's going to be people on Reddit and whatnot. that are saying, Oh, I'd gladly pay for that myself included. Like I would more than likely pay for that too. But how many people are we like, let's say, Let's just say hypothetically as an example, 5,000 people are watching on Twitch. Like 5,000 people are watching that broadcast on Twitch. This is a normal free broadcast. What percentage of those 5,000 are going to pay for that pay-per-view? I would, I would go and I would assume that that percentage is minuscule. Like, Mickwin says early on, 15% max. I, I'm more with P-Town here. I'd go less than 15. Like, I don't know. I just I just feel it wouldn't be that much. And, but that brings it back to what you're saying. It just wouldn't be viable. It, I, I don't know. P 
Is yeah, if you're taking into consideration like the the equipment, the networking, the crew, like if you're putting everything into perspective here, and like these are separate broadcasts that you're running at the same time, like that that isn't cheap. You know what I mean? Like that's not cheap. And that's every event that you that, I mean you can't just do it for one and be like, oh, it didn't work out, fuck you. Like you'd have to do it for a year at least. It's just Mickwin says events need to cost over five hundred thousand. Like that's what's crazy, man. Like that it even if it is, let's go on, let's go on your end, Mickwin. Let's say it is fifteen percent of five thousand people. Like it's still and you're paying oh no, under five K. Um Okay. He's saying that right now they're yeah, right there. They're 2 million plus for an event. Okay. They need to get under 500,000 to be viable. Viable. And see, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like that, that's just it right there. Even if 15% of 5,000 people pay the $5 or whatever it is, whatever they decided to be, because that's the other thing. If you make a broadcast pay-per-view, like whether it be separate with POVs and whatnot, you have to be careful of what you set that price to. Oh yeah. Because you can't have that barrier to entry be too high. Because then nobody's going to do it. You have to find that, that. I mean, that's where the business analytics come into play. But you have to find that sweet spot of how much you're going to pay for it, how much people are more than likely going to pay for it. It's just, it's it's tough. Welcome back, Rasta. Good to see you. Mickwin says, yeah, you're still taking a loss, but you're building a business model with a higher cash floor. So nothing changes except the illusion of it's a giant sport and we have smart, sustainable models in place. P-Town says going to have to lock VODs too. Um, I don't know about that one. If you do the pay-per-view thing, then you'd have to lock like uh, individual POV VODs. But I don't think you'd, I don't think you'd lock like full broadcast VODs. So I don't know, but I, I don't know anything, you know? Mickwin says, in the growth stage, you spam highlights and VODs. You get people engaged. So what do you want to see, Will? What do you want to see happen? I don't even know where to start. Because it's not sustainable, right? That's basically the narrative that's come out. To do pay-per-view, I think we're too far gone. What? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. the. I don't have the answer. I don't even know what I want. I mean, you just want to watch Halo be played? Do you have to strip back all of the fancy production? You know, like, do we need the giant stage? Do we need the huge video screens and the lights? 
The cream cannons? The cream cannons. <laughs> um, can you strip back on other portions? Will it, will it decrease the broadcast? Maybe, but if it's about making money, is it going to change your viewership that much if it's, I don't know, maybe if quality drops, then maybe people aren't interested. But we're all really there for the gameplay anyway, right? Mikwen says, I don't know. I just find it weird that MLG was able to get to a point of small profits and breaking even with big venues and great productions. But they kept operation costs down and had freemium. Mikwen, maybe... But was MLG the only source for esports then? Not necessarily the only source, but one of the bigger mainstream at the time ones. If that if that makes any sense, because yes, like esports were still, like relatively speaking. Okay, so I use this term again, relatively speaking, but small in that day. It, it wasn't at the scale that it is today, obviously. Uh, Mickwin says, um, go MTV, ESL and DreamHack. They were the go-to, they were the go-to for console esports in the West. Got it. See, maybe it's just because I personally, I only followed MLG because of Halo. Sure. Like I would watch smash tournaments and whatnot, but like I, predominantly I'd be watching Halo and that was on MLG. There you go. Uh, then they got StarCraft 2 and pulled that fan base too. I do remember that. Mickwin says, yeah, a huge piece of MLG success was the community watching other games and meeting other players. The events were a spectacle to go to. I never had the opportunity to go to an actual MLG event, like back during the H2, H3 days, or even uh, Reach for that matter, but like, just seeing like seeing the crowd during broadcasts and like hearing the trash talk and whatnot and fucking like I make the reference all the time. Will like when Farouk would come on stage and be like, lock it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, it, that was to me, that was part of that spectacle to me. That was part of that. Like this is a real thing. There's a real community behind this. People love this. This is really a, this is the, this is a real fucking thing. And you know, I, yeah, I just missed that. So let me ask this has have events gotten quote unquote too professional where mm. we don't see the players on the floor. We don't see the community members really like people are at their stations playing or they're sitting in their seats. I rarely like we see some people walking around and conversing and talking, but it's not like intermingling. It's all everyone in their groups. It feels so it feels like at times. That's a great question. Uh, Mickwin says, yep, and that was in the pursuit of sports and trying to game showify it. That's a great, yeah. It's not like the like you're there for a sporting event now where you sit in your seat and you watch where it used to be like a big get-together. More about community. More about community. Mm -hmm. Which kind of brings it back to what Adam was saying in his tweets about. Great tweets, by the way about building a community and not building a show. Yeah. 
Yeah. I will say something that's always crossed my mind and a reason classic sports have been successful is leagues often do have profit sharing like in the NFL. Yep. Like they make it so that everybody is viable to stay in the NFL. Now the money that's there is astronomical now with TV rights. And that's where esports has gone wrong because you can't, it's not sustainable on TV. You don't have a big enough audience to. Right. Esports does not need to be traditional sports. Right. Like obviously in the terms of investors and whatnot, like they would love it to be at the capacity that traditional sports is because then they'd be making ham over fist and funds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're an organization owner and you're being broadcasted to million people's on a million, million people's millions of people on live TV in prime time slots on major networks. And like you have the stadiums and merchandise and everything that obviously you're going to be like, you're going to be bringing in profits. Right. It's just not the same thing. Like, yeah. Um, Mickwin says, and people will say NFL games are free unless you're uh, using bunny ears. That shit ain't free. <laughs> yeah. You're not it's wrong. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. And then, I mean, then you had the fucking streamers coming into it as well. Like not content creators. I'm talking like Amazon. I'm talking like th those type of things. Oh where, yeah. 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 Prime it, video or Amazon comes in for Thursday night football. Yeah. Like that's, that's exclusively streamed. You can watch it on Twitch. You can watch Thursday night football on Twitch. They had some really shit games this year, but <laughs> they got it, you know? So is there even an answer for esports at this time? Or do we have to, we have to regress before we progress? I think that's the majority of what I've been seeing is that we're, it, it looks as though we still have not reached the end of the regression yet before we can rebuild. It's it, from what I've been reading, from what I've been seeing, it, like Mickwin says, he says, hit reset, build better models. It sounds like we have to strip everything down to the, oh my God, this word again, foundation and rebuild from there. That's what it sounds like from everything that I'm seeing. But what does I, that mean? Yeah. And I'm just confused at trying to think of what the model would be moving forward. It would, cause you're still going to get like people, like we're still going to want these broadcasted sent out to the masses. Mm -hmm. You want to bring in people to events cause then they're spending money on teams, HCS, whatever. Tyler says, pay me 250,000 a year for the next 10 years. I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Mickwin says events cost less. You build more engaged fan bases. You stop chasing a million Twitch views and you build a product that thousands of people engage with consistently. So is the product though, what's the product, the game? That's, that's, that's my question, right? Like what, like Mickwin, we hear what you're saying. We hear what other people are saying, but like, how, how are we doing this? And I'm not saying you need to have all the answers, right? I'm just, I'm curious. Like how are we stripping this all the way down to the bare essentials and then building from there. Yeah. He says, it's still the same idea. Run the tournaments, but smaller scale. It doesn't need this huge production level, just a good one. See, now I'm, I'm curious as to what Adam is doing 
or plotting. Because when the whole esports engine thing happened, like not when it started, I'm talking about like when Adam left. Um, when Adam left esports engine, he said like this isn't goodbye. You know right. what I mean? And he's clearly working on something. He's working on his next venture. What is that? Is are his tweets? his recent tweets criticizing In, the industry indicative of what uh, he's planning. Yes. That's what I believe. Is he going to revive MLG from Microsoft? And he, I mean, he did like, he's like, Hey, let's talk. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see this brand go to waste. Let's talk. Um, he can't do anything for two more years. Oh, okay. That, that, I mean, that would obviously make sense, but I'm gen, I'm genuinely curious. Like, yeah, well, are his tweets indicative of like, Oh, don't worry guys. I have ideas. And, and he, him Sundance and others like they were there at the ground floor. Like yeah. I'm not even talking esports engine and Vindex. I'm t- talking literally MLG. They were two of the co-founders of MLG as to what it was years and years and years ago. Right? Like that's, that's what I'm curious about. But then it brings it back. Like the, the product is, is the game, right? I mean, the hype around Halo and their launches has not been there for many years. No, and I, I've said it, Will, I've, I've said this countless fucking times. I don't think we'll ever get to the point of where the peak was during H2 and H3. I just don't. Do I think we, like, I would love for it to get there. Like, I would love more than anything for it to get to that type of level again. I just don't think it will. Is that because I think we're past it. Like I think people want new things. You you take you take Call of Duty out of it because it, that's become like a cultural thing over yeah. just a game. It's still game. one of the highest selling things every year. But uh, arena shooters just don't seem to have it anymore. No, and 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 it doesn't need to be that way. It's just what it feels like it is. It just feels like it's that way. Um, make one says, I mean, there's a bigger conversation around the publisher dev also including esports partners in on with cash. The fact that riot asked league of legends players to wear a specific skin during worlds and doesn't share a piece of that money with them is absolutely insane. That I did not know that that is fucking insane. Also, uh, to all the follows and the subs, thank you so very much. I promise you we will, um, We'll get to you guys. Promise. Straight up just millions of those players are missing out on when they're promoting these things. Imagine if Nike gave MJ a shoe and just said, wear that shit. (laughs) Oh my God. See, Mick, when... I think with that, like with that example that you're providing, I think just a bigger conversation needs to happen. Like, do I think it's weird and stupid that the players aren't getting paid that? Yes, I do. But at the same time, I think a bigger conversation needs to happen there because like, yeah, do you know what I mean? And the way that combo happens if esports becomes a break even. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's tough. It's just really tough. There, there are folks out there. If I want to bring this back to the halo angle for a second, because I know we're talking about esports in general. If I want to bring this back to the halo angle, just for a second, there are a lot of people out there, like a lot of vocal individuals out there who like have no faith in three, four, three whatsoever. And in some aspects, I can understand that, you know, I'm not going to fucking sit here and chill for the fucking company. Um, I've had my gripes with them for a while, but I do believe halo infinite's a good game. I do. I just like Will had mentioned too, in terms of like arena shooters, I just don't, I felt like this for a while now. Like, I just don't think the enthusiasm, that's the word I'm looking for. The enthusiasm is there anymore. Or, the, or, or to the extent that it used to be in terms of an esports situation. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Maybe I'm fucking stupid. I am fucking stupid, but that's besides the point. Um... Clutch says, uh, pay to watch esports. How much are we talking? Well, that's, that's gonna That's another question. Uh, clutch Academy is like, how much would you be willing to pay? Right? Like how much would you be willing to pay for that? And that's the thing is that, I mean, we already had a little bit, we already, we already had kind of a bigger conversation about it just wouldn't be very like, depending upon the situation, it just wouldn't be viable unless we strip it all down to the bare foundation and then build back up from there and build and like Mickwin was talking, build a better business model and have that surrounding it. Make sure everything is like trying to break even trying to not operate at a loss every fucking time. But like, that was one of my concerns is you need, if they are going to do a uh, pay-per-view in some capacity, right. If, in, all, in this hypothetical universe we live in that we're living in right now, like if, they did introduce a pay-per-view portion of a broadcast, whatever esport it is, doesn't matter. What would the, con- what would the consensus be f- to pay for it? Right. You can't make it too expensive because if you make it too expensive, then nobody's going to buy it. You can't make it too cheap because you need so many more people to actually subscribe to it, to try to turn a profit or try to break even whatever the operating cost is. You need to find that happy fucking medium. It's hard. It's just fucking hard. Sholnuff asks, G2, Envy, how many teams have left the HTS partnership program? Uh, G2, I don't include Envy in there because Envy and Optic merged. So we're, we'll exclude them. But uh, G2, Fnatic, and um, now Navi. I believe those are the three. Are those the only three? Chat, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the only three? Oh, thank you, Will. E United. Yes, Riz. Thank you. Thank you, Clutch, Riz, Shall. Thank you. Yes, E United. E United. So four? Four organizations then? G2. E United. Fanatic. Navi. What, Will? You say nothing or Navi? Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So. Yeah. Hopefully that answers your question, sure enough. It sounds like four organizations have left the partnership program, whether it be 
Who fucking knows? Just a multitude of reasons, you know? <laughs> yes, Will was yelling from the bathroom, if I'm not mistaken. I was in the hallway at that point. I was having a little bit of a coughing issue. So, you know. Genji says, just popped in because I saw the title. I Also, I apologize for the kind of clickbaity title there. I'm sorry about that. I mean, it's what we're talking about. It though. is. And he says, would I pay to watch Halo Esports? No, absolutely not. And that's there. That's a valid that's a valid take as well. Is like I said, I think the amount of people relative to that relative that are watching the broadcast, I think the amount of people that would pay is very small. And then again, you have to get to like what that amount would be. And I just, I just, oh, it just sucks. Games aren't breaking mainstream for 60 years minimum. If anyone is chasing esports as traditional mainstream sport is delusional. I agree with that. I, that's why I found it like, like I said, I, there are aspects of franchise esports that I enjoy, but in the grand scheme of things, I do find it funny that I swear to God, it just, it, it, it really felt like it felt like a switch was flipped. Like it felt like overnight we went from esports being like not a niche thing. You know what I mean? Not a niche thing, but small enough to be like, everybody has their communities. You watch your broadcast. Like you have these grassroots events. Like you have these bigger things going on. It, it's a cool thing. It's a cool time. And then it felt like overnight, all these investors came in, this crypto bullshit came in and like everything blew up. And then one more night after that, it's like, oh shit, we don't have money anymore. It's like, what the fuck? It's crazy. Oh my God. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it and... What I, it's tough for me to say because I am so invested in HCS that I, I personally I probably would pay like a Twitch subscription four ninety nine five ninety nine whatever to watch an event, a, a major event. You know. Mm -hmm. So like you said, well, I don't have an answer for this either. And we're, we're not necessarily the right people to provide answers for that. Where's two dudes who scream in a microphone or me? I scream in a microphone. You're the level headed one. Um, but I just, it sucks that we've gotten to this point because the thing that I fear and the thing we've already seen starting to take place will is just like the gaming industry as a whole with all the layoffs that have been taking place. Like it, it's an ungodly amount this year. It's, it's fucking insane. The amount of layoffs that have happened in the gaming industry. And then you compound that with the esports industry too. the amount of money that's being lost there. People that are being laid off. It just sucks that we got to this point in the first place. And, and it's the last thing you want to see. And I'm worried. I'm worried that it's going to continue. Like, we we can sit here and say, and I, and I agree with the statement that it feels like we need to strip it all back 
and rebuild. But there's a big cost associated with that as well. Not just financially. Like, there's going to be, depending upon the route that this goes, right, there's going to be a lot of casualties involved. Well, even looking at it, if we're stripping things back, that means player salaries are being cut. They're not getting what they're getting now. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to keep us probably a steady job while competing. And you're bringing up a good point that I was kind of, it felt like I was kind of skirting around when I was talking about how it seems like some people are trying to treat salaries and whatnot as traditional sports. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're not, I don't think we're there. Like I said, these things don't need to be the same. And I want, there's the shitty part too, is that I want people to get their money. Like I want people to get what they're worth. And the shitty part about this industry being so volatile is that how do you determine that? You know what I mean? Like how, I don't have an answer, but man, it just, Like, I think about it this way. I think about it this way. I work in the industry that I work in, right? The industry that I work in has salary ranges for the positions that are available within that industry, right? So I get paid a salary that is within that range of what that title is within the industry that I work in. In traditional sports, depending upon if you have a salary cap or not, players make different types of salaries depending upon the position that they play. A running back in football is not going to make the same amount as a wide receiver in football. Will not make the same amount as a defensive tackle. So on and so forth, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking that, I'm thinking with that mindset in play, that with esports as a whole, we're not there yet in determining salary ranges for the title that you have within the occupation that you work within. And so then my question becomes, how do you determine that range? Mick one says salary amounts are completely arbitrary in Halo. The only thing in HTS partner teams have a minimum. Then you go from there. Okay. So, okay. So there's your baseline. Your baseline is that if you're an HCS partnered team, you have a minimum of a salary that you must pay. Okay, we have our base. But that's, Mickwin, that's what scares me. That as a 32-year-old, right, as, as a grown, as we are grown adults sitting here, that's what worries me is that Mickwin, I'm not calling you old, but in the relative scheme of things, right? We are not young in this scene, okay? I'm looping you in this. We are not young in this scene. What I'm worried about is that volatility that's being constantly thrown out in terms of esports. That volatility, 
when I think of salary ranges, what are those for the titles that you have within that space? How are those being determined? How is esports viable enough today? Is it going to be viable enough in the future to make it so that can be your only job? Not just you, everybody, right? And not just players, content creators, management, um, production, merch, HR, all these things. If you're running a genuine organization, a genuine business with these base titles that nearly every business has, right? How are those salary ranges being determined and can they be sustainable in esports? And if not now, when? Because as a 32-year-old dad sitting here in this chair, that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about people, whether it be a player, a content creator, a, a normal title of someone working within a business, within esports, if you're able to make enough for a living, depending upon where you're living. That's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm worried about. COD has a minimum. It's 35,000, I think. I've heard some players' salaries in COD are 50K a month. Wait. A month. A month? We're in the wrong business, my friend. Holy, 50K a month? What? In the minute, wait, in the minimum, wait, is the minimum 35K a month or, or no? Is that a, a year? year? Is 30K a year or 30K a month? Okay. Minimum is 35K annually. Okay. 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 That was, and that was for Halo, I believe. No, I think that's COD. You said, so COD has a minimum. It's 35K, I think. Okay. Holy shit. But he says, that's the gap you're, you were talking about. So, okay. So this is where we come back into the, and I don't want to compare it to this, but I feel like I have to for the sake of these salary ranges, right? Traditional sports. A backup quarterback in the NFL is not going to make nearly the same amount of money as a franchise quarterback who's on a second contract. Yeah. Right? So when I think of that situation, I think of that COD salary differentiator between 35k annually and 50k monthly right now if we're talking in a sense that we they don't need to be the same thing where it feels like it's kind of being treated as the same thing still if it doesn't need to be the same thing how do we rope that in is again i want players to get what they feel that they're worth a world champion caliber player Deserves to be, I, I'm not throwing numbers out there because again, I want players to get what they believe they're worth. But I, in my opinion, I believe a world championship caliber player should be paid a little more or should be valued a little more than a player that is like a backup player in this situation or a bench player on a COD team. Okay. But I'm wondering, how do we reel that in to not have such massive disparity? 
Or is that massive disparity okay? I don't know. I'm asking, right? Yeah. Like, is it okay for that disparity to be as large as it is within at least COD or other esports in general? Like, or should that be something that's reined in? Should salary ranges be reined in to an extent if that means that things will be more viable in the future, right? Is that is that an aspect of this that we look at? Because again, I want players to get paid what they believe that they are worth. I want players to be paid the value that they bring to the team. Whether that be skill, personality, because they go, the, I mean, personality absolutely helps in a team sense. If you don't have team chemistry, you're not going to fucking perform well. So all these factors, I want you to be paid what you believe you're worth. I want you to be paid the value that you bring to a team. But with how volatile this shit is, and if we're trying to reel things in and make things viable for the future, I'm talking about esports, do we need to rein that in? And Mick, when I, absolutely, I'm not, and for the record here, I'm not saying anybody should be going out of their way to be like, oh, this person's making this amount of money. This person's making, that's none of our business. That is none of anybody's business, but the people that are in charge of determining that, right? The player getting paid that amount of money or whoever it is getting paid that amount of money and the person that signed, like that wrote up the contract, okay? It's none of our business. So then it comes down to the organizations, right? We're getting outside of the quote-unquote broadcast and the companies that own the eSport itself. Mm -hmm. We're getting to the organizations entering. And that those companies, their idea of what value is in the scene. So Bigwood says the people getting paid are being paid by their org. Yes. Well, like you had mentioned, that makes yeah. sense. That's their deal. Don't blow that up. Okay. But my whole entire idea is that the league itself has to generate cash and those valuations will be correct. So here's, I need to be careful with what I'm about to say, because obviously those, those things are not like mutually exclusive, right? Like players getting paid by the organizations and the league being a viable thing. Like they're not, they're not mutually, they're not mutually exclusive, but do they not kind of, kind of assist each other in a way? What I mean by that is if an organization is paying their players or personnel, whatever it may be, quote unquote, too much to the point where the organization is not financially viable anymore and they need to leave that competitive scene. Doesn't that not in turn affect that esport as a whole? Because at what like at what point do those players then are they not going to be able to find another organization to represent them because maybe they're asking for too much or maybe because an organization sees what happened and they don't want to join that esport anymore, which then in turn affects that esport further. Miguel says yes, horribly, but it should be a joint operation. You don't see the Dallas Cowboys in multiple leagues. True, true. Mm. And Mickwin, you're right. You don't see the Dallas Cowboys in multiple leagues, but you do see complexity. And I know, I know they are not the same thing, but but let's be real. 
like this, this might be a poor example in my, like this might be a poor example from me, but like when you look at complexity and you see that star, what's the first thing you think of? Is it not the Dallas Cowboys? I think what he's getting at though is like I said, it's a bad example on my part, sure. bad example on my part. Cause he, it's the only one that does that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, what he said, I think what he's saying is, is like in the NFL, the Cowboys eggs all in one basket NFL. Yes. In esports, you take complexity. Well, they got some eggs in HCS. They got yes. Um, some what apex players, maybe they're in rainbow six, whatever. I forget what actual teams they have, but then you're paying those, let's just say 35 K minimum for all the leagues. Now you're fielding teams with multiple 35 K salaries. Right. And yeah, Mickwin says in the esports way was spread out and be in as many games as possible. Like you had mentioned, mm-hmm. because it wasn't a business partnership between teams and leagues. And no, that's, that's a good way to look at it too, because Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, you're right, is not the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, you know? Yeah. Is not the owner of um, the Astros, you know? Is, that's, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. McWin says, that's why I think what HCS is doing is actually the best example at the moment bringing in partnered teams and not. Yeah. I also, um, in that golden boy stream, he Mm -hmm. said when the heads came together to bring HCS into the fold, it was about rebuilding the community and not building a marketing model, which he actually, which golden boy really enjoyed working with back then. But we've gotten to the point where it's all muddled now and we don't know what's up anymore. I misspelt that ice cream, but, uh, end of January or end of January, January. Yeah. January. <sighs> so Mick, when I'm curious, when you say it's why you think the HS is doing, uh, is the best example at the moment. Can you elaborate further on why you think that is the case? He says, I mean, it speaks volumes that SSG ownership said it was the best thing to be a part of. And they, SSG, I mean, not Space Station Gaming, but Space Station as a business is, like, if you go, if if you didn't, like, not to shamelessly plug, but if you go back and you watch our interview with Pookie, um, you'll learn, if you haven't known already, that Space Station as a business entity has its hands in many different type of businesses. Space Station Gaming is their esports division, right? Yes. But they have they have an animation studio, they have finance, like Space Station as a whole is in multiple different types of different businesses. Welcome back, Lizzie. So like that's they like Sean knew, like Sean Doris knew him and the people around him knew what they needed to do to make a viable business and then spread into esports as well. You know what I mean? 
like space station has done a phenomenal job. And that's why, that's why when I think about space station, I never have a worry in my mind about that organization because I know that when I look at space station gaming, yes, I see their esports organization. I see that they're in different titles. I'm not worried about them because I know what they do outside of esports. Um, HTS is be uh, best primarily because there's a set out agreement quarterly, basically that says, Hey, you get a piece of the microtransaction pie. Everything after that is an additive bonus, but the game just isn't super popular. And that's the uh, main Achilles heel at the moment. Okay. Austin, here's my question to you then. Because I've talked about it ad nauseum where I don't think Halo can get back to that peak that we've seen in the past. So my question to you is, and I bet I've already asked you this. Do you think it could ever get back to the peak that it was at before? And how does it get there? That's what I want to know because you say that it isn't super, super popular at the moment. And it's the Achilles heel right now. So can it ever like it doesn't need to, it's all relative. Okay. And like I said, to all the new followers and whatnot, I promise you, I will get to you guys after the topic. Do not worry. I will give you the shout outs you deserve. I promise. There's more people watching and playing Halo today than in 2007. It's just not as popular amongst the insane amount of gamers nowadays. I can respect that. Yeah, I feel you, McQuinn. I hear you. tough <laughs> it's fucking tough like what do you do I have to look that up what is uh Thanks, McQuinn. Monthly active users. If you have 25 million monthly active users, you can have a banger eSport. For example, CSGO. Don't you mean CS2? Oh. Which they're, because of their, <laughs> but that's, there, here's a great point as well. Because of the game issues that came along with CS2. Yeah. They're having issues with their popularity, so to speak. Are they? Well, um, yeah, well, there, there was a problem with the hitboxes. Like, uh, someone was defusing the bomb, and they, like, turned their head down to look at the ground, and they uh, the enemy team could not headshot them. Kind of like in Halo, you know, oh. you put your head down and run away. Yeah, head glitch. But the, the, hit, the, the, hitbox, the hitbox broke where, like, they weren't even doing damage to the player. Wow. Well, that's a bug that needs to be fixed. Yeah, the hit, the... Um, hitbox detection? The hit, basically, yeah. The hitboxes were a little broken... You know, they, they did the whole update on the server ticks, but there's still, there's just still a lot of things not 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? As precise as just Counter-Strike was. Counter-Strike Go. That's that's another thing I'm curious about. We look at we look at CS2, formerly CSGO, formerly CS Source, whatever you want, whatever you want to fucking call it. Um, I'm genuinely curious if if um not even necessarily player retention, but viewership retention has been affected by the name change of the game. You know what I mean? That's what I want to know. Hmm. Let me put this out there. Please do. Does going pay-per-view tighten the community though? Because that means the ones that are there are heavily invested. Are heavily invested and you feel more a part of something. It's a good question. It's a good question. Because then you would have you would have your set amount of people, roughly, that would pay for it every time. Whether that be per event or whether you have like an annual pass type deal. Mm-hmm. Maybe you would able to you would be able to have additional perks. Maybe. Because you'd have like it'd be guaranteed that people would have to pay for it. McQuinn says, here's the thing. 25,000 people watching a pay-per-view over 500,000 watching for free. That's just the match. Yep. That's just the math. And you could add incentives, not like the Twitch drops, right? Yeah. You're not going to get those if you're not watching. True. So my question then becomes like, do you have a free, Do you have like a, a segment that is free? Like, do you make, do you allow pool play to be free to watch? Because it, th- those that are in the know, I mean, those that follow the scene understand that the Friday of a tournament, while there, there can absolutely be some banger matches, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. the majority of them typically play out the way that you expect them to in terms of pools and seating. Sure. So, like, do you make that available for everybody so they at least get a taste? And then, oh, if you want to watch bracket play where the real shit goes down, you have to pay for the weekend? Again, I don't know. I'm just, like you said, throwing it out there. (laughs) It's definitely possible to do. That's a way to market your product, but still lock it behind a paywall. So Genji asks, I'm I'm with Ronan here. We just need Taylor Swift to show up to an event. Dude, straight up. (laughs) Straight up. Mikwin says, I personally think freemium is better. Mikwin, what is your, we should have just freaking called him on discord and had him in this conversation. Uh, I mean, we still can, if he wants to do um, that. (laughs) <laughs> what is, I'm curious what his idea of freemium 
is free for the weekend 15 bucks for all players povs and comps he says for sure invite oh my god okay hold on are we doing this all right yeah we can try do it alive people give me literally a second to get it set up and i'll get him in here <laughs> josh can you give me a woo from the other side of the room Woo! thank you all right i gotta that should be good yeah, no cam. He, yeah, we're just going to get your audio in. Nick Wynn's cam is behind a paywall. Hello? Hello. There we go. What's up? What's going on, man? Thanks for hopping in here. <laughs> yeah, of course. I've been talking about this behind the scenes on my stream. With people smarter than me, like pretty much all week. So I'm down with it. Hi, Go Austin. Ahead. What's up, Josh? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fucking great now that we get to hear I your luscious voice. I have a little bit of a fever today, and I have to go back home to Michigan in two days, but hopefully I kick it. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure you want to be here? You can call if you need yeah, to. I, no, I, I, it's low grade. I'm, I'm fine. I just have a cough and just feel a little, you know, you know, when you got that low grade fever and you're like, ah, uh, yeah, I feel I fucking... a little, little sleepy, but don't have kids. <laughs> you're sick every week right yeah, yeah it'll never end it never fucking ends <laughs> especially with my girlfriend she's she gets sick all the time oh my she god she looked at me like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> there's that cough there it is, there it is. <laughs> all right i'm gonna step outside sounds still on the good. mic sounds good <laughs> Just updating the title to say that you're in here. If people give a shit, when pe where people should give a shit. Um. Yeah, I mean, first things first. I do highly suggest that people take a look at Adam Apicella's tweets that you guys were referencing back in April. I think. Yeah, they've been consistent. He's posted something every now and again as well. Yeah, like he he. I cannot express this enough as a player. I've been around esports for my first event was in 2006. <clears throat> there is a stark difference, and I've talked to players that you know. There's a time when I was on Envy and I went to E League in Atlanta, and was with the CS team, like that legendary Envy French CS team, Kenny S, NBK, those guys. And listening to the way that they talked on their tournament structure, granted, this is CS, right? Like yep. if if you're in Halo or COD, you look at CS as like. The, like the, that's the place to be and they were just like we have a tournament every week they're usually ran like shit we don't have good warm-ups we don't have good stations a lot of stuff right yeah so 17 years of attending these sports events in some capacity um small break when i was working at 343 from a player standpoint and from a fan standpoint there is not better ran tournaments than things that adam apicella is involved in not even close. Nothing even comes close. Um, from sticking to schedule, making sure that production works, making sure that the stage is working, the refs are fair. And obviously, you know, you see drama over the years with MLG and refs and stuff like that. Yeah. But they're they're firm, they're fair, and they run insanely high quality events that are player first oriented, but also making sure that they understand that they're putting a product out there for people to watch. So if anybody wants to like there's people on that on his thread with adam episode that say that he's an idiot or that he doesn't know what he's talking about those people are 
and La La Land. Those people are <laughs> just the absolute La La Land. The absolute <laughs> La La Land. Um, that guy knows how to. He's part of the only team that's really ran in a league that has consistently year over year at least broken even, and then they sold it, which you know, sad face, but <laughs> still, you have to look at that as like he's the only him Sundance Sebso. John Nelson, Puckett, all those guys that uh, kill a KC. I'm going to leave people out, but all those dudes that built MLG up the way that they did, they are really the people that you want to look at as like, okay, you're reasonable. You know what you're talking about. I have a question for you, Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that Adam before he'd run like what you guys would have like weekly events and stuff like that. Or like he would run weekly events. What do you mean? Like, I thought you mentioned that in, when you were talking about like the CS stuff, they had weekly tournaments. Yeah. Weekly. Oh yeah. No. So CS, they, their thing, like their infrastructure is that they have nowadays, correct me if I'm wrong, chat, but they have blast premier ESL, IEM, PGL, they're valve majors, which are then basically ticketed off to one of those tournament organizers and they get to run it, right? Think similar to the Super Bowl. Okay. That's how Valve runs their majors. It's actually a pretty good pr- practice, but and they have more. I mean ESL, uh, DreamHack, those all run CS tournaments, right? So there was a point in time where it was like players would be playing in Krakow or Krakow, I don't know how you say it, and then they'd be in Katowice the next week. And then they'd be from Katowice to London the next week. Then they'd be in London to LA the next week. Then they'd be in LA to New York the next week. Then they'd be in New York to Sao Paulo, Brazil next week. Jesus and that, it was like, and they don't have an off season, right? Because there's not like a, a an entity that's like, this is our league. Valve basically said, hey, we're going to give you guys sticker capsules. You can sell them in game. You get 50% of it. We're going to give you guys the prize money for the majors. We're going to ticket off the major to the organizers and we're hands off this shit. We are not going to do shit. And it's been built by all of those tournament organizers over the years. Um, I think there was a few that, like, Face It really blew up off of CS from yeah. my understanding. Yep. So, um, yeah, they they kind of went the, really the NFL approach in a lot of ways, where the NFL says, we're the league, we're the ultimate rules. You get the stadium, you run the events, you do the production. Or the, well, the production's then sold off to Fox, CBS, NBC, whatever. You run the that entity runs the production. You pay them, and then you one of you gets the Super Bowl every year, and we'll go. We'll rotate it through, right? So that's kind of Valve's structure compared to the rest of esports. And again, I'm not saying chase sports because that's a really bad thing to do. Yeah. But that that structure from a league level and how it kind of trickles down to the organizers and the organizers then. You know, it's worth it for the org, the actual organizations, the teams to be a part of those t- tournaments. That's a a decent infrastructure. I don't think it's you know tried and true, but it's decent. And the biggest piece there is sticker capsules. That those things are insane. I mean, there's stickers that are worth thirty five thousand dollars in that game. Yeah, if you if you watch any of the case opening streams of. CS, it, it, they can find some insane stuff. The the market oh. is insane on skins and stickers yeah. and all that. Uh, the I buy power skins, the whole scandal where the guys bet on their own matches. Those I, those IBP hollows. One, the sticker capsules that they're in. There's only a couple hundred of them left, I think. And Trainwreck owns like all of them. Of course. And those skins are, 
uh, last I saw were like $95,000. If you get that, if you pull the IBP hollow, that's 2012, I think, or 2014, 2013, one of those. It's a $100,000 thing. And it's actually worth that. That's not like fake money. That's actually what it's worth. Someone will buy it for that. Someone, some collector would. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Dude, I have a friend that unboxed an IBP hollow and put it on a shit gun in 2012. And the <laughs> gun is worth 20 grand because of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. CS is a crazy market, right? It's a whole yeah. NFT market that they built that isn't even comparable to nobody else can do what they did. So not to like derail too much, but it, no. that's why it's not, co- you can't really copy what they do because those, that sticker market, that economy for the organizations that are involved is just very lucrative. And then to answer your question on how you base a player's salary mm-hmm. and CS, they do it based off of your sk- your st- sticker sales. Mm. Some players choose to take a lower salary because they'll get bigger sticker cuts, right? Some players say, okay, I'm going to do 500000 in sales on stickers guaranteed. That's what it's been year over year. I'm going to take a $500,000 salary and guarantee it. Some will, you'll hear some that will take a hundred K, but then they'll sell a million dollars worth of stickers. Right. So it's one of those things. Wow. That's fucking crazy. But that's the, that's the thing that, you know, kind of moderates that market and creates that market for the players. So what's your thoughts on what Halo needs to do to get to anything sustainable? Um, so shit, uh, the, the biggest thing that like I've noticed with Halo. And again, I do think that if you talk to, if I talk to anybody who's been around for a long time and really understands this stuff, they actually do think that what Tashi and the entire HCS team set out to do is the correct goal. Obviously, you can get into the semantics of the game and the launch and all of that. That is all piece of it. But strictly from just how to do the model, they give a piece of the MTX pie to their partner teams, right? And obviously, that causes arguments because there's teams that feel that they should be partnered. And, you know, we've been through that rodeo. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, the teams that are partnered have a way to generate revenue that to me is like for the league itself is the key for the organization standpoint but then the next biggest piece is that the leagues themselves when they run these events they have to be break even or make a hundred thousand bucks ten thousand bucks two grand right something right sure um because what will happen is in my opinion when the league is able to then break even or generate a small amount of profit those orgs will then be able to be a part of it. And then the league can say, hey, we're making money. Here's an annual fee. We'll pay you. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking at growth. If, if all of you guys come in with your guys' fans and everything, we're looking at a growth. And we can attribute 170 grand to you guys for the year. And you can use that on salaries, flying your players out, whatever. Right? And I will say that HCS does partner teams. Flight is covered, hotels covered, and there's the minimum, right? Right. And then there's the MTX pie. So, but it's just one of those things too, was like, you can't say to the organization, hey, we're going to give you an MTX pie, a piece of the MTX pie, but the league itself is a loss leader. It's just a marketing division for us, right? Mm-hmm. And HS isn't setting out to do that, but inevitably that's what's esports strongest point is. And that's the one that they all look at is like, you know, you run an event, 200,000 people watch how many people sign on. And you can look at the data and the analytics on steam with infinite alone after world championship, you know, it probably spikes 10, 15% or something. Right. Yeah. And that's, we don't know Xbox and uh, Microsoft store app, 
But so probably about 10% across the board, I would assume. So that's a 10% jump in your player base, right? It's a lot of people that may spend 10 bucks. All of that money, when you look at the other esports, when that happens, and I would assume that League and the bigger esports, when there's a big tournament, it's bigger than 10%. It's probably closer to 25-30% spike in players, mm-hmm. right? All that money that's spent on MTX goes straight into Valve, Riot, 343, uh, Activision, right? It goes into their pocket, and nobody knows how much it was where or anything. It's just the silent cash that just exists. That this that and that's why it's become like this lost leader with a marketing premise, right? Because Riot, I assume, their league, well, based off things I've heard, the league itself operates at a loss. But they generate so much extra cash per tournament in their MTX that's not seen by the teams that are in the league. That it's it's kind of like the thing I said, how they ask certain players to wear skins. Because they understand how much money that generates for them. Sure. Um, and their biggest player, Faker, does not wear skins. And I'm assuming he had a team around him that said, don't do that. Because <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're going to generate millions of dollars for them and not see a piece of it. Um, I want to bring it back to Halo just for a second. So, in terms of... We saw the whole... Um, the whole stream takedown of like the scump watch party for the call mm-hmm. of duty league stuff, bringing it to halo in your opinion, what does a scump watch party bring to the HCS as a whole? Um, so it depends. It depends on what the sponsorships see, right? So if HS is taking the numbers of all the watch parties wrapped up with everything and saying this is the amount of people that had eyes on Worlds, previously you could sell that number, right? So the value that Scump Stream was adding, I don't know how many viewers he had at Worlds. I would assume it was probably 40 grand, 40K, Something 30K. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and we capped out at like 180, I think. So you're looking at about, a, what is that? A, a little over a fourth right? Another 25%, 30% in viewership. In the past, you could go and sell that number and say, hey, we hit 250k, right? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, from what I've heard, the sponsorships have realized that, one, there's a lot of smoke screens that were put up of like, oh yeah, we're getting 270,000 viewers, but the main channel's only getting 80, but you know, we got it wrapped up in Twitter embeds and uh, right. We got it wrapped up in watch parties, or we got it wrapped up in uh, people just watching for drops. And again, I don't think that watching for drops is a bad thing. Sure. I just think it's one of those things where the person isn't going to be engaged past that skin. Yeah. So the sponsorships have realized that that 270k number. Let's be super like nice with it, and let's say that it, it uh, over World's Weekend, uh, AMD sees a, an increase of like 2.5k people from that stream interacting with their sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not shit compared to what they paid for the year, right? Because the, the way that Adam Apicell talked about it in his stream, but the way that the sponsorships work is that you do it at the beginning of the year, they pay for the year, it's baked in how many ads are ran per hour through their stream. So things that you were talking about earlier, yeah. how they do the AMD and the Marines and all that stuff. Yeah. That stuff is like baked in to the deal and you get an annual amount from the sponsorship. From my understanding, those numbers are either... There's less people willing to give cash, and there's the people that are willing to give cash are giving way less cash. 
And that's where the whole model falls apart because the model was built with the bigger the number, the bigger the sponsorship, the better it is, right? That's chasing traditional sports. And that's where it all fell apart because it's different when you have 17 million people watching from their TV than somebody that's sitting on their computer probably doing something else with a stream up on the side, probably muted in all reality. Yeah. It's different than when people get together or go to a bar and they're watching the game and they're actually engaged. And, you know, there's all the pieces of gambling, betting on the matches, and all of that stuff that has given a big uptick in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But again, it's one of those things where it was in the pursuit of traditional sports, which was inevitably going to fail. But the money that came in was from people who are part of that world. So they thought, let's copy it. It should work. With a large misunderstanding of just because it has 6.5 million people watching it, this is League Worlds on Twitch alone, I'm pretty sure. Does not mean that that is six five six. That's not doesn't even mean that it's three million engaged people. It may probably not even a million, like fully engaged. And then there's the whole other piece too, where I'm not sure you guys know this, but big events like that, like when they did Madison Square Garden for League, yeah, they gave away tickets. They weren't people weren't paying for those tickets. They were just giving tickets to people on the street. Come on in, fill it up, because there's this whole illusion that's been created in esports that it has to look full and big and bombastic. And it's all just a fucking smokescreen. All right. So we've seen, you bring up how like with uh, CS and whatnot, they have the whole, they have a lot of different events that are going on throughout the year, but it's really just valve saying, Hey, you guys can throw these events. We're hands off. You go from here. Right. And we've seen in Halo, like, I mean, it, just as recently as this last year, like we had a DreamHack event, um, we had the Space Station event, so on and so forth. So we've had events where other organizations kind of took the reins on it, but then had like the, obviously the rule set and everything behind the HCS behind it. Um, is that something that you think we just need to see more of as a whole, like moving forward into 2024 and beyond to be more of a viable esport? Um, do you think the HCS should be more hands-on? Like what, what would you like to see in terms of it? So, I mean, outside of the Dallas world tour, <laughs> the, the events last year were, were really good. Uh, SSG's is probably the most like grassroots feeling, but it was still a great event to be a part of. I think from a production standpoint and from you weren't there in person, they absolutely fucking killed it. There was some things as a player that I was like, okay, you know, it's a little bit more akin to things that I was doing 10 years ago, but you know what? I like it. Sure. Um, but I think that that was SSG being smart, cut costs, run a great event. It'll be beneficial for us. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, short answer is yes. I do think that like, I've said this for a long time. I think that optic is like the most poised to see success. And I know that's not like a hot take, right? Cause it's optic, Yeah. but not because of their content, not because of their fan base. That's a given. I don't think people realize that Optic owns their own convention center in Dallas. That was where our event was in Arlington. I, I don't want to talk about that event. <laughs> I know there was a lot of stuff with it, but that is their venue. Yes. Their team runs that. Yes. And they run Halo tournaments. I think Smite World Championship was out of there. They run their own fan events and all of this stuff, right? Yes. And that's tickets. And that's the food was Optic food, so they're actually getting a piece of the you know, the food sales. That's a big thing that people don't realize when, when we're at worlds in Seattle, 
that boot, that's a snack stand. None of that goes to HCS or three four three. That's all for the convention center. Yeah. So the thing with Optic is again they're poised for success because they went and got their own arena, which was a stipulation by the CDL. But they've built it in a way that it's theirs, and it can fit. How many people do you think can fit in there? I'd say probably two K. If they open up the whole thing, then yeah. Yeah, that middle, if you remove that middle piece, which they normally have it like that, but the open bracket was over there, you, normally it's opened all the way. Yeah. So about 2K. Shit, dude, if you're running decent tournaments that are filling out 1,000, 1,500 people every weekend, right? Or every other weekend or every month, and it's not just one specific game. Yeah. That's a pretty good revenue stream just for that, right? And, and you know, again, not to chase traditional sports, but a huge piece of traditional sports that I think people miss is they have stadiums with 70,000 people in it that are either prepaid or paid at the door or some are free, right? But at the end of the day, it's like median ticket for NFL games for a team that isn't horrible is probably like 55, 60 bucks. Yeah. And you times that by 70K. Like, it's just insane. My, uh, my brother goes to a lot of the Vikings game and to sit in the third level... You know, it's midfield, but third level, he's paying 120, 130 to ticket. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the CFC is maybe higher on that. Okay. He just pays individually. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So maybe higher than that, the 60, 70 bucks. Yeah. Well, or 55, we, 60 bucks. Our stadium is newer. That's probably a part of it. And your guys' fan interaction is pretty unique. You got Skull. Everyone's kind of dressed up yeah. in like a unique way. So, like, Skull Champ. Yeah. We got Skull Champ, baby. <laughs> yeah, so like again it's kind of a spectacle in the yeah. sense of like and you guys aren't well i mean you guys have had unlucky year but you guys aren't like the panthers you're yeah so, you're fair. not you're not buying tickets for less than ten dollars a piece <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> panthers tickets are like five dollars i'm pretty yeah, sure yeah yeah well, so, <laughs> like Ouch. it's just crazy so yeah that uh, i do think optic is poised just set up really well for the next few years to where they have their content team that, and they do great content. They have yes. a huge fan base, right? They have really good personalities, and they kind of struck lightning in a bottle early on with that entire brand and everything that they did. Um, so they have the staying power. And But the thing that a lot of people, I think, don't look at is they have that venue. So any game that they're involved in, they can go to the publisher or the tournament organizer and say, hey, we'll run an event for you guys. You don't even got to pay us to do it. We'll run the whole thing. You just got to bring a production team in and tournament staff. But or we'll get... The venue for you, security, we'll do food, and we got you on everything else. The stage is already set up. You don't have to do any rigging. You don't have to do any building. You can come right in, plug and play. You're on a, in on a Wednesday. You're out on a, on a Sunday night, nice and easy. It doesn't even need to be a game that they're involved in, too. It could be, like, fucking anything they want, really. Yeah, it could be Street Fighter. FGC could use them. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I know that Smite used them. Uh, I know that Hitch uses it for his little off-season thing that he does. It's turned into like almost like an esports play place in a lot of ways for them. And I think a lot of people are like, hey, that's... Wish we could do that. <laughs> like, But it's just, it's, it is one of those things where like it was a stipulation for CDL, but I think that they, that was one of the best things that could happen to them in that sense. That's good to know. I did not know that was a stipulation for the CDL. Yeah, that was like the whole thing. You had to run your home series, right? Yeah, I'll, I oh, guess yeah. that would fucking make sense, wouldn't it? Yep. So, and you had to rebrand, which blew my mind. That they're making like Envy rebrand. Um, and they're making everybody re like, yeah, you got to be a city and a name 
right? Yeah, because they of the got Dallas Empire. Aspect. Yeah, it's like, well, there goes all that brand recognition that Hasbro had built for Envy for years in an effort to appease this twenty million dollar investment. Right. Although I will say, I thought the Empire's logo was one of the better ones in the scene at that time. Oh yeah, like as somebody who was with Envy and was around Shro, that guy's the fucking man. Yeah. Like everything that he builds is awesome. So like. I'm not saying that they did a poor job. I just think it was a horrible decision by the CDL to say, hey, you guys built all these brands? Fuck them. (laughs) Let's let's go do new brands. And it's cool that some new ones came up, like Minnesota Rockers built a cool brand. Um, And I'm trying to think who else really has. But it's like you just have Atlanta Face, right? Dallas Optic. It's like, okay, that's just corny in my mind. LA Thieves. Stuff like that. Like, imagine if version one was like, we're the Minnesota version one. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Jesus, that, that already sounds awful. Yeah, hey, what are the teams? Boston Breach, London Royal, oh, Carolina yeah, Royal, Carolina. Royal Ravens. Yeah. New York Subliners. Florida New York Subliners. Good brand. That's a good new brand, right? That yeah. Is. yeah. Los Angeles Gorillas, Gorillas, Seattle Surge, and the Miami Heretics, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Mick, I'm going to ask you a question here. And I don't know if this would be viable for the HCS as a whole, but I just want to see it again. I I want your opinion as to whether or not you would want this and whether or not you think something could work in any type of capacity. I say it all the time. I missed it during Halo 5. I don't know your opinion on it, but I missed the Pro League. What would you want to see something like that consistent weekly matches that are scheduled for broadcasting that you guys have set ready to play? Do you want to see something in that capacity? Did you not like it? Could you think it'd be viable? What are your thoughts on that? That was the one thing that ESL did right in their tenure with Halo. So I get that Halo has an expectation that there's open events. I kind of talked about this on my stream. Not having a pro league is bad for everybody. It's not a good choice for anybody. It's bad for the players. It's bad for the league. It's bad for the teams. It's bad for the fans. Um, Imagine NFL or your traditional sport that you like to follow was like, hey, we're going to we're gonna play a bunch of games and you're only going to see them Friday through Sunday every quarter. That's it. Like quarterly, you're going to see them every three months. And that's it. But, you know, the Jets will play uh, they're they're opener with Aaron Rodgers. They're going to play. You're just not going to see it unless you go in person. <laughs> so that that was kind of like my ideology on it was that like it was good to have that repeated viewership coming into Halo, mm-hmm. and that is something that I don't think you put behind a paywall. That's something that it's super easy to run. It's cheap. Overall, you know, you're just plugging into a, an observer system and you're watching the matches, and you put a little bit of basic production on it. Right. All in all, really not that expensive to run, and it's good for engagement. But for Halo. I think that you need to build it in a way that like every season for the league, like the league season kicks off with an open tournament and you start it off as a pure open tournament. This will be V one, right? Yes. Pure open tournament. Top eight teams from that go into a league that plays for three months. It culminates in a finals. And then a few months later, we run another open event. The bottom two teams from the top eight from the pro league that just played in the finals, then have to play through open. The six teams that didn't will sit in, pro bracket and then we run the open bracket whoever gets into pro play then owns the league spot like relegation back in the day yep so something 
of of that. So it would be basically structure would be open event, season, season finals, open event, season, season finals, open event. And then you have your majors in between, right? I think majors would kind of be, kind of ultimately end up being the pro league finals. Pro league finals, okay. And then so like maybe pro league finals this a $250,000 tournament and the open event is $100,000 total or something, right? Okay. Not as crazy, but it's used as a relegation format with the open bracket vibe. And then it would culminate in a world championship after a full season, however you equate a full season. Maybe you do six months and then there's a break or there's like a mid-season relegation break or something. I don't know. There's smarter people for me than that, than that. But I do think that if you wrap up the pro league with open bracket stuff as kind of the kickstart to the season, that's very Halo while also doing the right things. Would you be fine with um, those weekly matches or the, the league for that matter being online then until you get to the actual events? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was fine in Halo five. It, I mean, <clears throat> I think ultimately you design it in a way so that even if you do do kind of shitty in the pro league, the open event is what really matters or pro league is what really matters, right? If you get top six at pro league, you retain your spot. Yeah. It, the whole season goes out the window. Basically all those matches that you played, don't put too much emphasis on the matches. Just have it as a, a delivery system for consistent matches weekly or bi-weekly or whatever, however they would want to run it. But just, it's a season. We can see the standings go into an, a live event. That's the finals and say, you know, Yo, FaZe dominated this split. They should win this tournament, right? Right. Or, hey, Complexity was killing it. This, you know, their standings might show that they were like six, but the, the three teams that they beat were top three teams or something, right? We got to look out for them. Dark Horse. You could tell a little bit more of a story and not put too much emphasis on on online stuff mm -hmm. and not leave people's careers up to, especially an infinite online shit. Absolutely. Does that mean we would you would restructure how the point structure works or maybe even potentially get rid of the point structure and just focus mainly on seeds? I think points would essentially go out the window at that point. Yeah. Um, maybe for open bracket teams, they play in like online open cups that give them points that seeds them for the open tournament, but the bottom two teams from the pro league other than the one and two seed, right? Yeah. And go from there. Um, now, obviously, we're talking about all this and we're kind of leaving out international teams i don't know how you would do that but international would have to be weaved into that in some capacity i don't know how but some capacity agree i do think that we need to get rid of the lad am region and let them just play in na they are their their ping's fine okay would you there, there's been a lot of discussion around like wanting additional regions to be added now, again, the, the issue if, with online matches then comes in with, with ping and everything like that, but we know that there's a lot of interest in the Asian region. So would that then be, like, let's say, hypothetically speaking, we do remove uh, Mexico and just absolve them into NA because, like you said, the ping isn't that much of an issue. Do we add Asia then at that point? I'm not sure. I guess you'd have to see, like, the data and the analytics on how strong that is, and maybe you go build, like, a little... Uh, like a little quick online cup circuit through face it that they just play in and you start to see it rise. Okay. Right. And then you loop them in once they're big enough. Um, I'm not familiar enough with that region personally. So I would assume that it would probably be NAEU to start. 
and then try to build up other regions like ANZ and uh, Asia. Because, I mean, ANZ needs a lot of love. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But, and, and if Asia is around the same scale as ANZ, um, I'm pretty sure there, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, that some Asian countries are wrapped into the Oceanic region for bigger games. I think so. No, I don't think that's like China and Taiwan and Japan and Korea. I think that's LCK. But I think like Philippines, Thailand, stuff like that is wrapped into Oceania. Not sure. Well, I think like it, I, I might be completely off base here, but and I know it's not a competitive title, but if I think of like uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, they recently, well, relatively recently added an Oceanic server. So maybe to include like to have an easier access point for those players in that obviously in that region. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Microsoft servers are. I'm, I'm pretty sure Microsoft probably has servers in every major continental region. I would assume. Yeah. But again, that's just a, an assumption. I, I, I know they have the ANZ server. I think there's two for Australia, but one is one. It's the one normally pulls, I think. I think the Australian one pulls, and there's a New Zealand one. Okay. But yeah, maybe you, maybe you wrap some of the the more Pacific region, uh, Asian countries into that. And I don't know. I don't know. I, this is the type of stuff that like, when I was internally talking about this stuff, I struggled with this stuff talking about like the other regions other than the ones that I was aware of. Right. Right. But they're, they're equally as important on how, how do you build those up? But you know, I, I don't, I don't talk to people that are in that region consistently. So I have no idea what they're playing, how they're playing, what they're de- dealing with, things like that. No, it's why it's why I don't envy Tashi and them at the HCS trying to figure all that out because obviously they hear what people are saying and wanting additional regions and wanting additional support in the ANC and whatnot. But like, it, you're right. Like, what do you do? Like, how do you how do you fix that? How do you build that back up? How do you expand that? It's I I don't know. And like I said, I don't envy them. Um, the question I want to ask you. So Tashi had said a while ago. Uh, talks about that the face it integration coming within the HCS, whatever the fuck that's going to happen. Do you think that's still going to happen? Uh, you broke up for a second. So what coming into the HCS? The face it integration. Oh yeah. I have no idea. I would assume that it's a goal from face it and HCS. I would again, just assumptions as someone who, can make a decent educated guess i would assume that the game became a priority that makes sense um so and that's probably it just went to the back burner i would love to see something like that but at the same time i was talking about it with k the other day it's like you know we people have tried to do like like eight leagues through discord yeah which obviously it's a little bit more to jump through yep and they just don't really happen i don't know why um, the cool thing in COD right now, the, the BPL stuff, mm-hmm. that seems to be doing pretty well. So I know there's a, a there's a, a market for it. I just I don't know how successful it would be in Halo necessarily because it wouldn't be mandatory. Okay. Unless they put a, a bunch of money behind those pickup matches. I don't want to say a bunch, but like a decent amount. Yeah. Um, kind of how FPL worked in CS. I think if you won FPL, 
you made like pretty good money. So I'm just wondering if that, if and when that face that face and integration comes in, like if that would then in turn help with the whole organizing of other outside regions of other than NA, like being able to have those. If we go back to the pro league type situation and having those matches set up, having those teams compete regularly, it just be in my opinion a way be easier way to manage that to happen. Yeah, no, it would definitely create a scene that is autonomous in a lot of ways for those regions. And they would slowly bolster over time. For sure. Um, I know we kind of got off the topic a little bit of the whole like esports is uh, you know, stability thing here. But somebody asked a question here or like provide something that I think also could value your insight as well. Um, Anomaly said they need an easier uh, way to becoming a pro, like getting more teams and saying like needs uh, Halo needing a G League. What would, if you were a new player coming in, Austin, if you were a new player coming into Halo in and of itself, what would you like to see to not necessarily open more doors for you as a competitor, but like give you a more clear cut path to becoming a professional in the scene? Um, I mean, I will say that Halo is probably the easiest if you look across the board. It's open tournaments. You show up to the open tournament. You can literally win from open bracket. Um, has it ever happened? No, but you can. Um, <clears throat> so Path to Pro in Halo really isn't as difficult as some people make it out to be in my mind. You could add more structure there and say, hey, Again, kind of the thing I was talking about. This kick starts the season. You're in the league. League then moves to a finals. Rinse and repeat. But yeah, no, it's it, it, that. That's the beauty of the open structure, is that you can put together a team, play through open, and end up playing on a Sunday. Um, you know, obviously people look at like our team last year when we did it in Charlotte, and it's like, well, that's four professional players, right? And I get that, but the only thing that's really stopping, you know, uh, let's use let's use somebody who I think is kind of on the come up, that's kind of made his name. It's Breaking Shot. Guy started in Sauna Eights, got in with some people who are kind of known in the scene, mm-hmm. and then kind of goes from there. Gets on Proton, plays us at Charlotte, and absolutely shits on us. <laughs> they end up losing, but the guy just destroyed us. Yeah, and showed that he's a good player. I think a lot of people look at, like, Snipedown or Shotzi or Renegade or players. And I don't even actually want to use Renegade because he toughed it out in the Open Series. So did uh, Trippy. So did Lucid. Yep. Those three toughed it out in the Open Series stuff in Halo 5. But let's do Shotzi and Snipedown and think that, like, they only went pro because they were that good. And they just instantly kind of jumped to what they did. Yes. But those are the anomalies. Yeah. It's, if you look at through the years, you know, if you look at Halo 2 to Halo 3, Roy, Lunchbox, Hokum, and Fear Itself team at Charlotte 2007, play through open, get top four. Three of those names became staples in competitive Halo. They were not pros when they did that. There's other stories of like alumni in Arcanum, and I forget who their team was, Devious, I think their team name was Ununtrium, playing through open, getting proceeds, right? Alumni, Thuggish, Arcanum kind of became mainstays in that top 12 through top 6 area in Halo 3. 
And then if you look at late Halo 3, the Combines, which did help a lot. You have Lethal, me, Ryanub, Blaze, Amish Acorns, Adrenaline, um, and then other people who also went pro that people might forget about, but you got Watch, Swift Kill, Calm Mentality. Um, <clears throat> two of those guys got top three at Halo 5 Worlds. And those teams were, we were fun, we were amps. Like, we were getting like top 28, top 24, top 20 at best, right? Yeah. Combine got us kind of known. We go into a fresh game, showed everybody that we're really individually skilled, and kind of jump up from there. So, <clears throat> it's, it is one of those things where I think Halo has always had the most accessible path to pro, but it's just not easy to go pro, right? It's, <clears throat> it's just tough. Like, there's a lot of natural ability. There's a lot of political bullshit, meeting the right people, ending up on the right team, staying on the right team. Um, and there's just, <clears throat> it's, it's hard. It's just truly difficult. You have to work with three other people, sometimes four if, it's the, if the coach is super involved on becoming the best that you can possibly be. And a lot of these people that are doing this from open bracket don't have the tools because they don't have the experience on how to grow. So they have to tough it out and figure that stuff out. And again, it's just hard. It's just hard to become a professional player. It's incredibly difficult. A lot of the times a new game is kind of the turning point for a lot of people, pun intended, but <coughs> you, uh, yeah, new game. New games are usually the, the one where it's like, oh, boo boo doo boo, hook. Uh, commonly, beginning of H five, it was a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. Frosty out of nowhere. Well, I mean, he got top eight in H two A, but just all these new players. So new games kind of do that. Um, but again, you go to an open tournament and you just do the best that you possibly can, and if you're doing really well individually, you will get noticed. I know people like to say that they can't get a chance just to be frank if people if you see somebody complaining on the timeline that they can't get a chance because of uh uh you know clicks and shit they're just not good enough that's that's probably the reality if you're good enough you will get a chance um anomaly asks if there's an official way to get in on the lobbies and they say that there's only one way you have to know someone to get you in. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's if you just have the Discord link, you're able to just join the server and join in. Well, Sauna 8's died, effectively. So okay. this, was a, this was a beginning of the game thing, right? Breaking yeah. Shot got in that and um, <clears throat> started using, utilizing that tool while it existed. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, at this point in the game, it's a new gun. You're probably going to use matchmaking. You're probably going to start climbing. You're going to start running into people who are of equal skill to you or slightly worse or slightly better. And then you just have to kind of network, hit them up, say, hey, you want to play some matchmaking together? Play with that person. Find a duo. Go from there. Make a team. Get third round. All right. Got third round. But that guy didn't play that bad. So I'm going to stick with this guy. Let's do a new team. Shit, we got sixth round this tournament. Growth. Rinse and repeat. It's like a lot of people, again, just look at Snipedown, Shotzi. These guys came in just instantly, right? Yeah. But they forget that, like... <clears throat> You know, lethal. The guy, his first tournament got the top 28. And the only reason why he got on a team that was capable of getting top 28 is because he had played 15,000 Halo 3 matches and was shitting on people and matchmaking. So people were willing to take a chance on him because they're like, this kid's good. He gets on it. It's Fire Breathing Franks. So it was him, Chris Bullets. I forget the other two. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, I forget the other two. He gets top 28, his first tournament, right? 
that's lethal. That guy is a a seasoned winner. But his first tournament was top twenty eight. My first tournament, I went with my best friend from school, who's you know not the best player. We get double first rounded. I'm twelve years old, thirteen years old, but I toughed it out. I did pretty well in the FFA because FFA was a thing at that time. Yeah. And then Halo three, a fourth round, a sixth round, a seventh round. Then I get a team and I get top twenty, right? Because mm-hmm. it just people recognized that I was working and I was good enough to do it. So for folks wanting to get a start out there, just understand that it's not an easy thing to do and you're going to have to work for it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's a whole philosophical thing, but that the whole mindset of a lot of modern stuff is that, you know, it should be easy. This is not easy. It's competition. The person that you sit down across from does not give a shit about you. You know, I'm friends. I'm eco is probably one of my best friends. If I sit down to play that guy, he's doing everything in his power to three L me. He does not give a shit that I'm friends with him. He, all he cares about when he sits down is he wants to win. You know, now I am friends with Deco, and it's like if I am really good at the game, and we could form a team that's going to win. There's the political stuff, but when we're not on a team, it's like, and that we play like again, people that are your friends don't give a shit in the moment. You know, they might beat you and then feel kind of bad, right. but it's one of those things where it's just like it, it, it. I'm, I, you know, I, I always kind of prided myself in a lot of ways because I would kind of vouch for people and I would watch the am scene and I would see players that were showing glimpses of something, right? You know, I, I remember I tweeted out that, like, I don't know who this renegade renegade guy is, but he is fucking good. And this is an open series. Well, Renegade then has an opportunity to get on straight ripping. I go to APG and I tell APG, hey, you should probably team with them because I think you'll get top four in the league. I team with them to get top four in the league. Um... I've always been the type of person that if I see it, just strictly on the eye test, I'm probably going to talk about it, like I did with Breaking Shop. Um, so there is people like me that sit outside of their cliques. I have my group of friends that are professional players, and I, you know, they're my confidants and people I like to hang out with and be around. But I, it's not like I'm sitting there like, nah, that guy's too good. We can't let him be a pro." <laughs> There's none of those conversations going on. And there is this vibe that people say that that's a thing. There's a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's how John got the nickname Renegade was on that straight ripping roster. Yeah. He was just popping off. Yeah. Before he went to splice. Yeah. He's, it was, it was apparent when you saw him play that like he had it. It's like, you know, I, I, traditional sports you watch tom brady play football you're like that guy fucking has it like that guy i don't know what it is but that guy fucking has it like it's just undeniable it's got those intangibles and, yeah yeah the intangibles all the shit they talk about that's like what are you talking about well with tom brady we saw it seven fucking times come to fruition so it's just and you know obviously he's the top top competitor level yeah but barry sanders is a great example that guy fucking had it like terrible team had it and that's the thing is everyone talks about Barry Sanders as the greatest running back. His team was horrible. Like, and everyone knew. So again, if you have that talent in any medium, it will be noticed. Um, I forgot who asked it in the chat, but I thought it was kind of a fun question. Um, somebody asked if like, if I'm not mistaken, they asked something around, uh, were there players that you saw were like 
kind of passed on that you felt could have done big things in the league or something like that <clears throat> through the entirety of the history. Just uh, for uh, sure, for rel- for relatively sake, you could do like five and infinite to some extent. If you see, if I mean, I know it's I know it's relatively still early, but like, go ahead, you do you. What do you got? I'm thinking. Um, uh, let me let me ask you this here. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Amish Acorns came out through the FFA scene, and then I felt I like I felt like he was like in the pro scene briefly and then kind of disappeared. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he went to Yale. Oh, that would make sense. I'm pretty sure he, he quit and went to Yale. All right. I respect um, it. <laughs> so, um, but Amish is a good example. Great player. T- talent was undeniable. He was kind of the talk of the town. Yeah. Turned out playing with him. His attitude wasn't, he didn't have that intangible. Mm. So he kind of started to sl- slip and placings because people who were willing to do the extra work kind of got the opportunities that maybe he didn't. So yeah, I'm trying to think, I think, <clears throat> I think in reach you have Amish, but he did get second and he did get opportunities. You got reliable who I thought was really good in, in Halo reach. He got opportunities. Um, you know, even me, I was getting top 12 every event in that game. I was still getting offers to team with some pretty good people. I remember I got an offer to team with Reliable, Dustin, and Maniac. Wow. Way way out kicking my coverage at that point. Right? Wow. And um, I turned them down because I was so loyal to like that team. Yeah. That was when I learned stop being loyal. Formal literally came to me and said, dude, you're too good to keep getting top 12. So like you need to actually like, go team with people that are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shifted my perspective. And I started to not be super loyal unless warranted. Um, yeah, no, I'm trying to think. I, I, in, in, in the entirety of Halo, even even if I look five to infinite, no. I mean, if, if a player is good enough, they, they do get the opportunity. Um, so, it, I haven't really seen a person who was extremely talented not at least get a chance to prove it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm trying. <sighs> I think you kind of touched on it too, <clears throat> that someone could be very talented, but if the mental or the team cohesion isn't there, if they're not putting in that like personality side of it, it's not going to work. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, nobody sees, nobody hears. So it's like, you know, it, I'm trying to think of like a really good example recently, but you know, it's like somebody might get dropped and everybody's like, what, why you have no idea that it could just be internal stuff. I mean, besides, I mean, if we're, I'm going to use this example, then uh, I know that there are a lot of shitters who feel justified in what had happened recently. But I mean, if you look at APG and the optic situation, yeah, I mean, selfishly, thanks. <laughs> like, obviously, but um, yeah, uh, it, I I was talking with a friend the other day, a friend. and I forget who it was, but <laughs> over time, some friend. I it was on stream. I uh, I a really good example is when I was a kid, I didn't realize why 
sports media and stuff talked about Ray Lewis the way that they did. And as I got more into football and started to watch, you know, some of the more in-depth stuff and hear how coaches talked about him and how players talked about him, I'm like, oh. So then I started watching the games and seeing the reads that he's making. I was a three-down linebacker. You know, they don't take him out for runs. They don't take him out for pass plays. That guy's in. Yeah, he's he's, a monster. He's he's pointing. He's calling. He's calling when they go in motion. And he was just a chess master from that side of the ball. Yeah, very cerebral in the game. Yeah, but a person who doesn't understand football or take the time to understand football will watch that and be like, man, that guy tackles good. And that's it. It ends there. Yeah, I mean, he hit you really fucking hard. But that's not what made him so great. Yeah. Um, I feel like APG is a linebacker in Halo. He is intercepting and not like, you know, intercepting like the from the definition of NFL. But he's intercepting people's pushes. He's in the right spots. He's positionally sound and he just executes. So is that going to show up on the stat screen? Sometimes. But overall, probably not. But people just don't understand that stuff. And now, just for just for clarification here, because I don't want it, I don't want any bias here. You're not just saying that because he's your teammate now. Like we can all no. agree okay. that that's the way so, he's been for fucking ever, yeah. basically. So deep cut. Before worlds, Emmanuel joins our team. Hoax. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he is literally saying, "We need someone to fucking APG cosplay. We're never going to win these games if someone doesn't do an APG cosplay." This is his feedback. And obviously you hear that and you're like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I understood it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's like we had to kind of go in depth on it. And once we started even doing a little bit of it, like in an attempt to copy it, yep. games became a little bit easier. And I was like, yeah, no, I mean, it just makes sense. So, yeah, again, it's, it's, I get it. <clears throat> He's not a loaded ass team. They're so talented. Someone's going to look bad statistically on that team. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of it. Um, I do think that he does a lot more than people value. And I think all of us are kind of excited to prove that. So not to, you know, hype up our team because it is the off season. We are kind of chilling right now, but it is one of those things where, no, it's not a bias. I've always had the most respect for Brad. I've always thought whenever I played against him, he's a hard, he's a hard battle. I've always thought that he was a talented player. I've always thought that he was a great teammate. Every time I've teamed with the APG has been a great experience. Minus once, but overall it was really good. So, and he knows that situation. So that's whatever that, that was just us being teenagers. Um, so, but overall it's just like, you know, you, you have, I teamed with Brad when I was a teenager. I teamed with Brad while I was a 20 year old and now I've teamed with Brad while I was a 30 year old. Every experience was good. That is, that speaks volumes to him as not only a competitor as a player, but his character. Yeah. It's it, you brought up a really good point. It's something that we've echoed on the show as well is you talked about like you, you, do, you dove deep into Ray Lewis and whatnot. And like you said that there's an eye test to it as well. And that's, we've talked about it on the show where we want people, I think I said it for worlds and then the last, and then the previous event, like don't pay attention to the scoreboard, actually watch the game being played. Like watch what the players are actually doing. Don't just focus on how many kills, how many deaths these players have or how much ball time they have. Watch the actual game being played because the stats don't tell the whole story at all. 
<clears throat> yeah, I can tell you as somebody who played against Optic quite a bit, there's not a Carter kill in Elevator on Recharge than APG. If he's Elevator, he's like, uh, he's a, he's in pot, like, dude, it's crazy. And that is so important that he's there. And that's just the stuff people don't realize. He might not even shoot back at me and I can't fucking kill him. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. And, and <clears throat> you know, it. I will say even this is a little bit of bias, but from the iTest standpoint, there is a bias towards him now in a negative light where, so that open series tournament we played, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't oh want to go my. too in depth on it because obviously that was kind of a like uh, let's just play for yep, us. I completely I, yes I understand. But the end of the game three against Gilkey and them, mm-hmm. someone posted the clip, or Tool posted the clip that ABG hits the buzzer beater, their collect hits the buzzer beater, and <clears throat> someone posted the clip that APG windmilled, and then if you watch the clip, he literally kills the guy. The reason why the game didn't end was because Breaking Shot shot a rocket that killed Gilk. So Collect got the kill because he shot Gilk twice with a stalker rifle. But they're even trying to say that Brad windmilled and choked when he literally hit the shot and killed the guy. And I'm just like, well, at this point, it's like you're just you're fishing. Like you just want him to suck in your mind. Oh yeah, there's so and many it's people like, out there like that. It's like I watched that and I saw the comment and I like wanted to respond, but I'm like, you know what? It's not even worth it. But I wa- I actually did. I was like, he does hit the cl- the shot though. If you like look, <laughs> like and he you see him miss. He shoots seven bullets and he kills the guy. That means he missed two shots or hit him all in the body, but he actually did hit a headshot on the seventh shot. So he missed two bullets on a guy that's squirming around bottom middle and ran behind a wall. Hey, man. Like, we're not all perfect. We miss shots sometimes, but like he, he made the play that won the game. And they just don't realize it. Watch the games, people. It's not difficult. Just watch. Anything you wanted to ask McQuinn while he's here? Y'all been covering it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of turned into like a little bit of an interview at the end. <laughs> I mean, we haven't talked about really esports. I, I love talking. Easy. I, I'm, like I said, I leave for Michigan pretty soon. So, on. <clears throat> well, we love talking to you. So, you know, it's always blessed. Um, trying to think. And like I said, to all the new followers and subs and whatnot, I promise I'll get to you guys after we're done with the topic. Do not worry. Um, but I will say, John, thank you for the gifted sub to Mickwin. So thank you, you John. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd... yeah. I mean, I, from my perspective, to kind of wrap that whole like esports financial stability, mm-hmm. and I said it in your chat. Really, in my mind, it's we need to peel back, cut cost, kind of go back to version two or three, right, and get these leagues to be sustainable. So then orgs want to be a part of it, and therefore players would, uh, you know, see success from the org standpoint and the, the game growing. That's really the goal. I know that's really top-down and really easy to say that. Sure. But whatever that sustainable model looks like, we just have to, as people who are involved in esports, there's much smarter people than me. All right, but I've been around a while, and I, have, uh, <clears throat> I do have a voice that can be seen. And really, my call is is... When all of this kind of goes, comes crashing and burning, like it inevitably probably will. And that's not to say like Doomer, like it's all over. It's just going to be a reset. It's going to be like, all right, we tried that. It's not going to work if we do that again. And we got to just have those tough conversations of like, how do we monetize? How do we get esports fans to be more engaged? Because there's something that you said that actually I found out isn't necessarily true, 
So 34% of the 16 through 24 gra- de- demographic is in esports, or 34% of esports is 16 through 24. They don't have as much liquid income, obviously. They probably do when they get closer to 22, 23, 24. Certain. But 31% is 25 to 34 because it's been 20 years. That yeah. is the age group that has the most disposable income. And <clears throat> so what's going to happen is, is, you know, all those 25 year olds, I would I would wager that 25 through 29 is the largest chunk out of that 25 to 34. In five years, they're going to be at the t- end of that. And all those people that are 16, 24 are going to enter the more disposable income thing. And then we're going to look at where 55% is 25 through 34. Right. If the number isn't up from that $5, per esports fan or like what esports fans spend on their favorite teams if that number isn't up to at least ten dollars it's going to be we're in for a world of hurt just just the reality it only has to go up to 10 it only has to double in five six seven eight years and that from an analytical standpoint that's really where i look at it is like let's just get people more invested with cash and obviously people will be like well that's greedy unfortunately Money does make things happen. Mm-hmm. We need money. I guess if it could be free, I'd be down. But unfortunately, it doesn't. It, we tried the model and it doesn't seem to work. I guess with if we if we do go like subscription model, pay per view, whatever, the worry for me is that that younger base that doesn't have the disposable income will be alienated now, and we won't have that bigger percentage of the you know twenty five year olds in the future. Yeah. And I think that that's totally like a fair worry. It's just one of those things where, you know, if you talk to people who are been around a while, they'll just argue that even if we go down to 10, 15, 20% of what it currently is, if that number goes to 10, it's better than where it's at right now. Even if we lose and alienate, I don't want to use the word alienate, but even if we lose, you know, 15% or sorry, 85%, that's at least a good place to start from when it comes to that model of let's get people spending more money. That's fair. You, if you lose a little bit, but then the overall community is spending money and then it, it normalizes it for that younger group as well. So when they do shift, it's expected. Exactly. And that's, that's the whole thing is the expectation currently says that we can't do this. I do think it's going to take kind of ripping a bandaid off and saying, Hey, you said we can't, we have to. And I'm sorry if that means that you can't interact with esports anymore in the way that you want to. Hopefully down the road we gain your trust and you're willing to do it. Um, and again, I, I'm not really advocating either for put it all behind a paywall. Um, I think freemium is probably the way to go. I think if you look at League Pass, um, NFL Sunday Ticket, and things like that, it's all freemium. It's You pay extra, but you get to see everything that you want to see. And the people who are willing to do that are the people who would pay five bucks for a paywall anyways. So, but whether that's 10, 15 bucks or you pay an annual subscription fee, whatever it may be, don't know. But again, it's just one of those things where I, that $5, like I cannot express it enough. As someone who I've, I've only been involved in esports basically my entire life, my entire adult life. If that $5 doesn't go to 7, 8, 9, 10 and start to grow, in 30 years, we'll be exactly where we are right now. In 40 years, we'll be exactly where we were. It will never grow 
to where we want it to. You know, you, you hear a lot of buzzwords like, well, we've got to hit the mainstream. That's going to take time. It's like, you know, sports are in the mainstream because when you're a kid, your dad throws a football to you or pitches a ball to you or kicks a ball to you or whatever, right? And then you meet kids and you're at school, you throw a football to them. Then you get into playing fourth grade football, fourth grade baseball, t-ball, whatever it may be. So you're conditioned as a generation and as a, as a society of like, oh, this is the sport I love because I grew up playing it with my dad. I grew up playing it and watching it with my dad and my brothers and my cousins and my family and my sisters and my mom. <clears throat> so in 20 years, those people are like, this sport has given so much to me. I'm going to go buy a jersey for, you know, whatever their favorite player is. And that money just matters so much for those sports. And esports just doesn't have that. You don't like I grew up playing video games with my dad. Not a lot of people can say that. Um, that was my, me and my dad's football, right? And we need more people that kind of had that type of um, that experience as a child. And that, that's not me advocating for, like, let's get kids off the football field. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it needs to just be kind of ingrained in culture before we could ever become mainstream. And that's going to take half, half a century, maybe more. For those who don't uh, understand what Austin's referencing uh, earlier, way earlier in the conversation that we had in this topic, he was referencing how, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Austin, but every year a traditional sports fan will spend $50 on their favorite team, whether it be merchandise or whatever. And then in eSports, in relative terms, it's $5. Yeah. And you're saying that we need to get that amount higher for eSports if we want to remain viable. Or just one aspect of it. To become sustainable. Yeah. Just... Remain viable would be wrong because it's not. So just to become sustainable. Yeah, it'd be a. I don't think people realize how much working capital would occur if that average fan's engagement went up by double. Right. And that'd be five to ten dollars. But then then it's like, oh, we can run this two million dollar event and it's covered. Oh, we can go and. You know, now we're up to you know, in 30, 40 years, you know, now we're at 400K subscribers. And fun fact, that's how much the UFC averages is 400K on their, their pay-per-view. It's not a big number, right? You hear that and you're like, only 400,000 people watch this. Obviously, you got piracy. You got people that watch from bars and stuff. Can't totally get the number down. Mm-hmm. But they 400,000 pay-per-views were bought. But if you hear that an event gets 400,000 viewers in esports... If League only got 400,000 viewers, wow, that game's fucking dead. <laughs> Why is the mindset like that? Right. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. So, yeah, we, we as esports fans, we be, we've become obsessed with larger numbers equal success and, and life for a game, right? It's tied together. When in reality, building a strong product that maybe is less people but more engaged is how you actually build it to a position of being, okay, hey, we can run $2 million events five times a year. Um, but, and that's without all the nuance of like, it's a, mar- it's a loss leader for marketing and all of those other pieces. This is just strictly looking at it as a league, like as a league, and that's it. Um. 
Well, let me just say this. Austin, thank you for taking the time for even wanting to come on and chat even further about this. Of course. Um, thank you for thank you for putting out the feelers in the first place with your hot take tweet. That isn't necessarily even a hot take, but it really opens this discussion up. Um, for those who don't know, we will be getting like, we don't have the date because nobody has the date except the HCS, but we will be getting the roadmap. As long as everything's still on track, we'll be getting the roadmap for the 2024 season. Um, uh, sounds like towards the end of January. Um, so Austin, if you wouldn't mind, we'd love to have you back on once that roadmap is announced and we can discuss further your thoughts and, uh, we can continue this type of discussion. I'm absolutely down. I was told that I might need to be in Dallas at the end of January. So let me figure that out. Okay. If I don't have to be in Dallas, I'm down. Awesome. If I have to be in Dallas, I won't be able to. That's okay. We'll keep in touch regardless. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, Austin, thanks again for taking the time. Um, I'm super happy that you want a pro league back too, because that's what I got out of this. Uh, (laughs) Oh, he's uh, never going to let it go now. I will never let it go. I've always wanted it back. I thought it was a shame that we got rid of it, but that's besides the point. Um, I agree. I agree. You have a very safe trip to Michigan. Um, get better as quickly as you can. And, uh, we, we cannot fucking wait to see you guys competing in this year. We, I mean, in this next season, we cannot fucking wait. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Have a happy new year. Enjoy time with your families. And it's 2024. How crazy is that? It's fucking insane. We don't need to talk about that. We're, we just, we just can't wait for the halo season to start. We can't wait to see you guys competing in it. Yeah. I'm pumped too. All right. Appreciate you guys. Bye. Awesome. you. Thanks for having me. See ya. That was Austin McWin, uh, who joined us for a chat in terms of esports viability. And we also just talked about Halo esports as a, as a whole. Um, We got a good amount of follows and subs that happened during the conversation. Big shout out to Austin for taking the time to do that. He did not need to do that at all, especially considering he wasn't feeling well. Um, But it's always a pleasure being able to talk to him uh, and keep that conversation going. And yeah, seriously, McWin, if you're still here, thank you so much, man. You're fucking amazing, Austin. We love being able to talk to you. And said it before, I said it a million times. You're one of the best people in the scene. Can't wait to see what you guys do in the season. Cannot wait. Really just want like some some good luck going native gaming's way. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> Native White was dealt a very short stick last year. <laughs> oh my god. Just want native gaming to have some some good shit happen. Oh. You're not biased, Halt, of course not. Of course not. Will, whenever you're ready, you can hit us back in. There we go. All right. Um, talking about franchising, do you think it's beneficial to the esports scene? Cod Valorant did it. HCS obviously seems like a formula is there. It's it's so so it it sounds like from the consensus of everything is that franchising is not the way to go. Um, because again, it just gets to the point of like trying to be more like traditional sports when it doesn't need to be. We didn't really dive into the franchising aspect with Austin because it's kind of a known thing that it's like it's not 
I mean, yeah, COD League is not doing well. Yeah. We saw Overwatch League fail. Yeah, it's not. It's on the downturn for sure. Yeah. Like, and I, I've said it during when we were talking is that I, there are aspects of franchising that I do enjoy. And mainly it's because of like having that, having that quote unquote home team to root for, because like you feel like you have kind of a, a connection to it. Like with us being in Minnesota, we have the rocker and the CDL, right? Like we like the Minnesota Vikings. We, we get their merch, so on and so forth. We feel tied to that because they're based here. But realistically, like in terms of a sustainability standpoint, it, it, it sounds like franchising in esports doesn't or isn't the way to go. Um, okay, real quick, before we actually get into the news, I want to get to the follows and subs we recently got. So thank you very much for uh, all of those, ladies and gentlemen, we have. Um, give me one second here. Do, 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 do. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> burr, burr, burr. Oh, no. Um, give me a second here. There we go. Uh, Skaduff, Captain Obvious, Innie. I apologize if I mispronounce your name. Bricks, Dragonson, Muse, Vamir, Stanzi. Anomaly, Sea Stained, The Light of Amish. If you're not Amish acorns, then, you know. Ear Wrecked, Glitch Food, I'm Generic, Fishball, Adam, Republic, and Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> I'm just going to call it Jesus. Thank you all for the follows. Greatly appreciated. And then for the subs as well. Um, PD with the gifted sub to Mr. Davey Havoc. Rasta with the four-month primer. Prez with the three-month resub. Um, John with the gifted sub to McWin. Thank you all very much. You all get a woo. And then daddy with the bits hashtag bit by bit. Appreciate you too. Not a problem. Republic. Don't worry about it, man. Happy to answer the questions to the best of our ability. We're not experts by any means. It's just, we like talking about this stuff. We like having people on that can talk about this stuff. It's a good time. Well, it's time for some regular news. Winter Contingency 3 has arrived. This is by many. Halo uh, said that Winter Contingency 3 operation is now live through January 30th. Complete the free 20-tier operation pass to unlock brand new holiday rewards. Halo support had two tweets. This one, the first one said, Featured rotational playlist is Firefight Legendary King of the Hill has rotated in, and apparently this is only for a limited time. The Legendary King of the Hill variant. Match XP and career rank payouts have been increased in both the Firefight Heroic King of the Hill and Firefight Legendary King of the Hill playlists. The pool of non-ultimate weekly challenges has been updated to ensure players can complete them in either Firefight or PvP matchmaking. This change means that players may see the same challenge requirements more often each week, but will allow for more choice in how to progress battle and operation passes. So yes, while there aren't separated PVP and PVE style challenges, they have been broadened to make it so you can complete them in any playlist you want. Now you more often see, get this much score, complete this many matches, win this many matches. That's kind of the consensus of what you see in your challenge pool now. And again, that is for non-ultimate challenges only. What I mean by that is the ultimate challenge for this week is getting a certain amount of kills with hard light or shock weapons, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that is what the ultimate challenge is this week. So, a little less broad in that sense, okay? 
Snowfire, a snow-covered variant of the map Livefire, has rotated into eight playlists for the duration of the Winter Contingency 3 operation. So where I was hoping that we get more than one snow-themed map, we're only getting one, but it is a variation of Livefire. It's called Snowfire. Have you... I have not played, played on it yet. I, so, I, you know, I play a lot. Yes, you do. I've only gotten it once. What playlist? Team Slayer? Okay. And yeah. I, the dummies are snowmen, yes. right? Okay, that's kind of cool. It is, it is cool. <laughs> but, is, there, uh, is there anything else that kind of stands out to be like, oh, this is kind of a cool thing that they did, obviously, besides the snow? So it's a little weird, I'll say, with the snow because it's almost like they added rocks with snow on top of them. Mm. So the ground oh. is like kind of broken in some areas and oh. it is definitely like higher up. So like when you're standing next to the jump for overshield, it's technically higher than it is on live fire. Like it's a smaller oh. jump. Okay. Um, huh. Grenades. Yep. Halt said it. Grenades act weird because of the texture of the snow. Do they get stuck in the snow? Not like you would think, but they just like don't bounce as far or because they added that weird rock texture underneath It'll just like you'll throw it this way, but it'll go boink, oh, boink like really. Okay. It's it's, but it, it's fun. It's still fun. Sure, I know. Uh, PD uses Snowfire instead of Live Fire for his eights. Okay, which I love, um, and I, I do enjoy it. It's a snow theme map. It changes up the visual a little bit. Yeah. Um, I also use the Void Ultra, so I'm an all white Spartan. I like to think I blend in a little more yeah. now. It's a great coding. So one of the best <laughs> in the game. All right, cool. Good to hear it. And then their second uh, tweet from Halo Support was, a free-for-all rotational playlist, FFA Slayer has replaced Rumble Pit. And then Snowfire, a snow-covered variant of the map Livefire, is included in the FFA Slayer playlist. And then for Big Team Battle Rotational, Big Team Social has re replaced Big Team Heavies. So there you go. And then there's an article, Cannon Fodder Fiction Festivities by 343 that I'm not going to read, but you can go ahead if you want to link is in the Google doc of the show notes of the show exclamation point show notes in the chat. If you're watching live or it's in the description of the audio and video versions of the show. Genji says, I wish they'd add a veto system and evil banded to social playlists. Uh, Genji, you were preaching to the choir, dude. Yeah. You're uh, preaching to the choir. We've been asking for a veto system basically since the game release. Do I, there's been a lot of discourse online about, alt and smurf accounts but um i will say i have a alt account i'm not calling it a smurf no you have an alternate because account. it is like maybe 25 points less than my normal account mm -hmm. right now but i will play to warm up on that account because i there's no other bandit evo starting playlist mm -hmm. and i want to get my shots down so i will go onto my alt account to, that's when I, that's where I play slow, solo or to get my shot warmed up. I tried doing the bots thing, but I found out I get over aggressive with bots because they're bots. And then that translates into my play style and I need to stop that. So yeah, the alt account is now used for that, which is crazy. I would love another just team slayer with Evo starts. Yep. On the whole Smurf thing that's happened because I kind of like purposely didn't dive into it. But I think David Sandman, shout out to David Sandman, by the way, one of the greatest people in the world. Um, I think his tweet encapsulates my thoughts on it perfectly. He said about five hours ago from the time of recording this, if you care about if you care about Smurfs in 2023, you need to go touch grass and get your priorities in order. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I They're, agree. Who fucking cares? They're going to do it anyway. 
Like, should there be systems in play to make it so they match up more consistently with the people that, like, they should be playing against? Yes, but that's a systems issue. That's not the person having to play on a Smurf account to play with friends. It's not their fault. There, I will, I need to touch on this because this is something I ran into yesterday. Mm -hmm. I was duo queued with a friend and we played a match in one. Cool. And I checked the, the, the I checked the ranks afterwards because it was like a very close match, right? Yeah. We were a team of diamond ones and twos. Okay. We played against a gold six, a gold four, a silver, and a bronze. Ooh, like, ooh, a bronze? But the game was close, right? Yeah, because of matchmaking. Yeah, because of skill base. Yeah. So they try to keep the games as close well, as they can. But here's the thing they, they said they updated it to go off a of CSR, not MMR. Correct. So we should not have been playing against them. Sure. At all. Okay. I checked their Halo track. It was a team of four. I checked their Halo tracker. All Onyxes in previous seasons. Oh, so they're playing on Smurfs. Or well, they're, they're de-ranking. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're de-ranking. Wow. Next game, we loaded against the same team. They all quit immediately. Because they're de-ranking. They're de-ranking. Yeah. But, again, we matched against their MMR, not their CSR. Sure, and Riz says, I think it's bugged right now to go off MMR again. And then Tashi did reply to a tweet. I didn't include it in the show notes, but I'll just say it right now. Tashi replied to a tweet that he says he believes it should still be going off of CSR, but if it is a bug, he'll let the appropriate teams know. Yeah. Um, I think deranking is a separate issue than the, surfing. Yeah, 1,000%. That is an actual thing that's like those people are quote-unquote shitters. I did report them. I don't know if it's going to do anything because I don't know if there's... No, and we've had this issue in previous titles as well. It's not just an infinite thing. And I know you're not saying it is. It's just I want I want people to understand, like, deranking has been a thing in previous Halo titles as well. It's never a good thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the whole, uh, somebody having a Smurf account or somebody having an alternate account, who fucking cares? There, there is a literal system in play. Now, if people have a Smurf for the following reason, right, or an alternate account for the following reason, there is a literal system in play. That if you are Onyx 1600 or above, you cannot play with more than one of your friends at a time. You simply cannot. That is a system that is in the game. I've said it from, I said it from the moment it was announced. I thought it was a dumb fucking idea. I still think it's a dumb fucking idea. Is matchmaking going to be longer for players, for these, for these people who want to play with friends if they're Onyx 1600 or more because they're trying to match up with more, like with the same skilled players? Yes, it's going to take more time. But that's the bed you lay in. That's your choice to make. You're taking that choice away from those players. The whole point of Infinite is to play as a fucking team. It's a team based game. You can play solo if you want. That's no problem with that. I'm not going to judge you on that. But like, it's a team based game. And you're making it so you can't play with your fucking friends. That's unfucking believable to me. It still is unfucking believable to me. Am I an Onyx 1600 player? No. But do I still think it's fucking stupid? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? So no, if if I am an Onyx 6 I'm not. But if I was an Onyx 1600 player or higher, and I wanted to play with three of my friends, oh, I'm four stacking and matchmaking. I'm playing with my fucking friends. I never. I want to play with my friends. <laughs> I, I also never understood the sentiment of being mad at four stacks. I mean, it can get frustrating to yeah. play against them, but it's part of the like. It's a four v four game. Yeah, it it does it does suck if you're playing solo and you match against a team of four. Like that sucks. I'm never gonna say that doesn't suck. 
But if you are taking the opportunity away from me as a player to enjoy your game, to play with my friends, do you think I'm going to, I don't want to fucking play. Like what the, why, why would I force myself to play solo? Like, why would I force myself to only play with one other person? Because the game is dictating how I have to play this shit. Like I, I can't stand that. I think it's, I understand it's a very complicated thing. And I know there's a lot of people throwing a lot of different ideas at the wall, trying to see what sticks to fix this issue that we have. It's, but it, it kills me that you just cannot play with your friends or with more than one friend. If you're over 1600, that, that it's bonkers yeah. to me. Um, Dan said it's frustrating at plat six D one. And I've seen this as well. Cause it's happened to me getting paired against a team of a D five D four D one, and then a gold five. Yeah. Um, Jen says, I don't think a gold five can play with a D five. They can't queue together, but it can pull a solo gold five into that lobby. Yeah. With another D five. If that's the way it's trying to balance the teams. And again, I, I get it that it can be frustrating. I totally understand that, Dan. And it's not just you, right? It's 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 me too. It's Will. It's it's everybody. It's a lot of people out there. It's frustrating to to have that happen because you'll look. This is what sucks, right? Is that you're gonna you're gonna just instinctually open up the scoreboard. And I talked about not doing this, but you're gonna instinctually open up the scoreboard and you're gonna see that gold player at the bottom, and you're gonna think that they're not carrying their weight because they're not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. Like they're not supposed to be in that lobby and that's not their fault. Like I don't blame that. I, was it Royal two stream where someone joined and they're like, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here. No, I think, I think it was uh lucid oh, or we no, 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 no. Um, 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 snake bite. Yes. I think it was snake bite. Yeah. And yeah, literally that's what I said. Yeah. He was, it, he typed in the text chat. Um, Look at the, saw the lobby. Just don't just a heads up guys. I'm not supposed to be in this lobby. Based yeah. off the rank that that player was at. He he went into text chat to say that. Like, that sucks. Because that's also ruining that player's experience as well. Like, on the one hand, they can say, oh, I played with and against pros. That's cool. But that player even understands this system is so fucked in a way that now I am probably putting my team at a disadvantage because I'm in a lobby I shouldn't necessarily be in. That sucks. That sucks for you playing the game, trying to better your rank. That sucks for you as a player trying to better your skill. That sucks for that player who shouldn't be there, who is maybe not having a good time because they're getting railed the whole game. Like it's the system is flawed. I'm never going to flaw a player for making an alternate account. As long as they're abiding by like the, the quote unquote unwritten rules, right? Like obviously there's no rule against smurfing. There's no rule against four stacking or anything like that. But if you're, if you're just actively trying to play the game with your friends and just get better at the game and you have to make an alternate account to do so, you got to do what you got to do, man. The system fucked. It's just fucked. So. And yeah. So yeah. All right. Sorry to derail again. No, I, th I don't know if I already said it, but that's it for the regular news. <laughs> it's time for Will's Adventures of the Day Lovers and other games too. I didn't uh didn't include Connor the Games Watch here because there's nothing to fucking talk about. Yeah. The rocker shit. Moving on.
Mm. My apologies. Will, what did you play last week? Hey, I finally got to hold you down. <laughs> yes, you did. Here. Luckily, I didn't have to press <laughs> buttons. Oh, my God. If I had to press buttons, we'd be here for hours. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, shit, you're oh, right. Wait, oh, wait, this one. What am I doing? Oh, man. I played Halo Infinite. Oh, my God. Xerxes, thank you for the follow. Welcome to the live show, by the way. Sorry I missed that. Go ahead. I'm going to agree with Jen here. I am a current Diamond player, and he says... Searching solo rank is making me better. I will say that the skill-based matchmaking system is making me a better player. I feel the same right now. There you go. I had a fit one day. I lost my shit. I messaged you. Oh, yeah, you did. You I were mad. losing it. Will had a text over, rant. Yeah, which I cannot repeat here because... I mean, you could, but um, it just it wouldn't be, it'd be unhinged. It'd be fucking unhinged. I was unhinged, man. I, I was losing it. But I've come back down, and I was like, I love this game for some How reason. How long was it until you played ranked again? I got into eights. It's someone's eights lobby. So, so it was, it was like less five, than 24 hours. It was like five hours, man. <laughs> I was right. I was right. I knew you were right. I told you you were going to be right. But anyway, uh, I've been playing solo because people aren't on the times I, uh, I am. Sure. And it has been helping. Like, I was... Stuck in plat, like plat six, queuing with some friends. Yeah. I've been solo queuing. I'm up into diamond two now. Mm-hmm. And my games feel easier at that level, which is insane to me. Mm-hmm. I could I could say, you know, some things I expect to happen are happening at that level that I didn't get when I was in that, like, plat six D1 range. Sure. Now that I'm at D2, I'm, I, my teammates are kind of doing some more of the expected teamwork things. But yeah, um, I feel like I'm making progress, which feels good now. It's always a good thing. Um, and then I played a little bit of Destiny 2. Got to give a shout out to Game Crazy John because he hopped on with me to get some Gambit done. You know what I'm going to do? Go ahead, continue. Okay. okay. Uh, you hopped on to help me get some gambit done. I needed bounties. I needed to uh, get my light level up. And uh, yeah, what are you like at now? Freaking two in the morning. I'm still like seventeen sixty something or fi- I don't know. Okay. Seventeen seven. No, I'm in seventeen sixties. But you're getting there. Yeah, I just <sighs> once I hit the soft cap, things slow down. The things slow down a lot. Yeah, and it reminded me of how much. I hated the grind and why I quit in the first place. Yeah, that makes sense. And now I'm back in that, like, I don't want to sit here and do these. I want to do what I want to do to level up. I don't want to play these specific things to have to level up. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of options to level up, but once you've reached the limit and that thing you want to do and you're not getting the rewards anymore. You're not able to do it anymore to get those rewards. You have to do something else you don't necessarily want to do. Yes. So that's my gripe. But John helped me out with some lore things. He helped me out with, uh, there's a site for your gear that can tell you how to optimize your, your like loadout. Yep. Which I, I never knew about. And yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool to get that insight and just, it was like two in the morning. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, d2armorpicker.com. That was it. Not an ad. Not an ad. <laughs> not an ad. Yeah, play this is a cool two. site. I will say I played like two matches of the finals, but um, 
the hype has kind of fallen off for that game. Sure. Like the first few sessions I had, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then I played it again today. I'm like, eh, it's okay. Okay. I think maybe I just need a third teammate because mm-hmm. me, and, me and Joey play. We didn't have a third to run with us. And I think playing as a group and like some of the random shit in that game can be really funny. It can be, you know, I think it would have just been better. Nice. That's all I've played for the week. I th- oh, I played Madden. I, I always t- play Madden a little bit. A little franchise? Yeah, I'm still, I'm in like year 2042 now. Who's your quarterback now? Some fucking rando dando? Um, God, he's got a funny name as well. But yeah, I traded that Hall of Famer that I had. I, I won, I won eight Super Bowls with that dude in nine years. It's fucking, I, I built had, a dynasty, dude. My, you had Tom Brady on your team the whole time? Basically. Holy That's, shit. I told you he was the next Tom Brady. He was not, Except he's better. He was 90. He's more championship rings than Tom Brady. 99 overall. I didn't play the seasons. I played the playoffs. Maybe a game or two in the season just to be like, what's my team like this year? So I simmed the year and I made it to the playoffs all nine of those years. Holy shit. I had, I drafted, I drafted that quarterback. I drafted a, in the, um, two years later. I drafted a running back. Both those guys ended up being 99 overalls. What the fucking shit? Um, And like I said, I didn't play the seasons. My first two seasons with that quarterback, we went like three and whatever. You know, we were three wins, maybe four wins the next season. Like it was a shit show. Yeah. But I got that quarterback. I was able to build around that quarterback. Oh man, it's crazy what happens there. Yeah, just had a couple bad seasons and we're back on the right track. Same, uh, I don't want to say same thing. This quarterback I have now, not as good, but still decent. Okay. I think he's still like, he's 80 overall now in his like third season. Gnarly, that's a good question, by the way. Also, welcome to the live show. Thank you for the follow. Good to see you. My running back sucks. I don't have a running, like, I don't blame the bat. I don't blame the running back. I blame my line. My line is a pass blocking Spoken line. like a true Minnesota Viking fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, my I don't play my, my players. I play my O line. My O line is very heavily favored towards pass blocking. The only thing I need to now is wide receivers on my team because the the guys I had retired. Sure, it's weird. I, I fucking I'm I'm too in I'm too in on this franchise I've built. I, I'm thinking about like oh yeah my my defense is my weak point right now. I need some better defensive players, but um my one of my linebackers. Just had a couple breakout games. He's now you know, when you're when your players have quote unquote breakout games, they upgrade in level. Mm-hmm. So he's now a instead of being a normal development trait, he's now a star development trait. Mm-hmm. So he'll get more XP faster, level up faster. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Ferris says Madden peaked in 11 IMO. No, Madden peaked 01. I mean, yeah, the, the last. I, I agree with that. The last 10 years of Madden have just been copy-paste. Do you know why I say Madden peaked in 01? Why? Because you could do an onside kick oh, the back over to yourself and over, over yeah, and yeah, over yeah, again yeah. and continually get touchdowns. Like, I don't oh, know. Broken. Yeah, it was fucking broken. You could onside kick to yourself, and it would it would win. Like, you would win that, f- like, nearly every time. So that game was fucking, sh- that game was awesome. <laughs> Computer didn't stand a chance. But anyway, that's what I played this week. What about you, Josh? I played some Halo Infinite as well. Did the community play date. Played some Firefight as always. Always a good time. Um, 
also played some Destiny 2. You said shout out to Game Crazy John. Yeah. I would also like to give a shout out to Game Crazy John, but not in the nice way that you had said. Oh, no. Yep. I'm going to put Game Crazy John on fucking blast. So what happened was, John. here's what happened. John, what happened? The play date. Okay. Oh, my God. Tony. Hi, Tony. Love you. Um, also your, that, that couple's picture that you guys, that you posted on Twitter is very fucking cute. Okay. Just going to throw that out there. So here's what happened. William Starwinder, shout out to William, um, assisted me with the exotic quest in, uh, in destiny two. That's part of the weekly story for week four of this season. We get through it. It was a good time. Um, we then assist Daquan in doing it, but we had to do a little bit more prep work because he was a little bit late in the season. I mean, he was a little bit behind in the seasonal story that, so we had to catch him up and all that. Yeah. So William reached out to me and, and, uh, and he's like, Hey, John wants to know game. Crazy. John wants to know if you want to do like, if you want to assist, uh, if you'd be willing to help John complete that mission as well. And I'm like, I think I'd have time after the play date to do it. So, our community playdates run from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Central. That's There's his statement if you want the TLDR of this. But, so our community playdates run from 8 to 10 p.m. Central. My dumbass thought that at the end of the playdate, we'd hop on shortly after 10 p.m. Central. John be ready to go for the mission. We'd run the mission. Bob's your uncle. And that's it. No, 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 no. Hey, John, what step are you on for the seasonal story right now? Oh, I'm like on step eight. Oh. And you have to be on like step 30 something for this mission. John was on week two of the seasonal story. And we're now to, as of today, as of recording this episode on week five. Okay. So John, we had weeks two, three, and four to get through before his ass was finally on the fucking mission. Cool. So like John said, we played for like three or four hours getting his ass to the fucking mission. And then we did it and everything was fine. I, I am behind a couple of weeks myself. I need to catch back up. God damn it. I was fully prepared. <laughs> My dumbass was fully prepared to hop on, help him with the mission, get off and go to bed. <laughs> no, 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 no. That didn't fucking happen. God damn it. But it all worked out. It all worked out. Um... So shout out to John. Just in a different shout out type of way. All right. And then I'm also playing Final Fantasy 16. That game is a fucking roller coaster of holy shit, this thing is incredible to man, this is boring. Like it's got massive ups and downs. So I'm still overall enjoying it. There, there's that. So I'm playing Final Fantasy 16, plugging away at that. That's all I played. Let's get into some shout outs, Will. 
first and foremost, congratulations to Dead Zone and Lydia on their engagement. Congratulations to you two. Um, all like this is gonna be jokey, but like because I say this in the context of my my sister and and her husband, they were in, they they took forever to get married. Like when you look at uh, Dead Zone, aka Penguin, aka Zane and Lydia. Like it just, it was only a matter of time, right? It just seemed like that couple was only a matter of time. So uh, find a fucking Lee guys, but no, in all seriousness, congratulations. That's amazing. Um, the photos are cute as hell. And again, congratulations. Happy belated birthday to formal Louis V Titan and clutch. Got to jump off of that, man. But yeah. Happy belated birthday to you guys. Shout out to everyone who joined in the community playdate. That was all in Juan, Ashley Blair, Burnaby Jones, Elated Dartboard, Game Crazy John, Halt Hammer, Rasta Monkey Jr., Rizdak, and William Star Winder. Shout out to you guys for joining. Shout out to everyone who followed and subbed during the live show. I already said them earlier, but I also want to touch on the ones that we that uh had happened before, like uh before the last show. So we had uh, Danny with the nine-month resub, Chauncey with the follow, Skunk Lords with the follow, uh, Cade with the follow, Phoenix Mercy, P-Town the Prophet, and Nathan all with the follows. Thank you all so very much. And everybody that followed and subbed during today's show, you all get a woo! You guys are fucking awesome. Then, shout out to everyone who is a patron at the semi-pro and higher tiers. That includes new patron Christian, D Pancakes, Ashley, Voodoo Man, Rasta Monkey Jr., Ricky Snaggoo, Raider Hater, Peanut, Mutt, One Swole, Danny, Danny Phantom, Riznak, Zarners, Obby Joy, Mr. Smiley, High Tech Redneck, Goalie Sniper, The Only Neeb, Heavy Rainfall, and Elated Dartboard. Thank you all so very much for the extra support over on the Patreon. Uh, real quick, in terms of the Patreon, just want to say this right now. There's going to be a restructure of the GOAT tier moving into 2024. Um, we'll put an announcement over on Patreon. Just know we're going to be shuffling things around. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And also, um, for those that have been at the GOAT tier, <laughs> and just know that we are working on getting you what you were, what you have paid for. Um, so please know that that is coming. We are working on that. You'll be reached out to. Do not worry. We're not going to leave you high and dry. Promise. So, Will. Yeah. Community creations. I only have one. And it's uh, the tried and true Halo memes every day. Red.com forward slash r forward slash Halo memes. Go check it out. Or don't. That's perfectly fine too. Yeah. It's up to you. Um, last thing I'll touch on here before the plugs. Ooh. Yes. The jersey vote. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Discord. There are currently, there's currently one with the lead and two very close. So I might take those three, move them down to a new vote, and we'll do a final vote this week. So if you're interested in getting a HGS Pro Talk jersey and would like to have a say on which one is picked to be printed and delivered, get in the Discord. The ones that I want are winning right now, so I'm happy. All right. Good shit. And, uh, yeah, if you don't know, it, like Will said, it's in the Discord. It's in the Jersey Voting Channel. The Jersey Voting Channel in the Discord, exclamation point Discord in the chat. Um, 
failing sea of stars. No, it's just it. So right now, halt. Just giving you a heads up. Like I'm, I'm focused on. So I do a game of the year thing every year. Will knows this. Um, there are three titles that I'm working on to solidify my list before I, before I, like I said, solidify that list. One's Final Fantasy 16, one's Sea of Stars, and the other is Alan Wake 2, which I plan on getting to. So I won't have my list completed by the end of the year, but I will have it done sometime within 2024. But yeah, it's just something I do. Um, but no, it's, I'm definitely, it's definitely not on the wayside. Oh, falling sea of stars talking about the Jersey. It is one of my favorites. The three dark mode ones are winning. So I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in right now. I thought you liked the light ones. No, I'm not a big fan of the light. I like the dark. Okay. But I like the three dark ones that have the most votes. Okay. Not the biggest fan of that one. I like it for its simplicity. Yeah, the simplicity is fine. It's just like... Too generic? This is going to sound weird, but it feels like... It, it, <laughs> never mind. I'm not even going to literally say what I'm going to say. It just right, sounds right. stupid. So there's that. All right. Um. All right. Will, that, with, that's all I got too. So if you oh. don't mind, plug in the fucking show. As Josh mentioned, we have a Patreon. If you want to provide some extra support, get a little extra content from us... Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash HTSProTalk. Go tier, revamp, incoming. Yes. As always, you can find us on your favorite podcast services. Just search for HTS Pro Talk, like on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or Josh's favorite. Pocket Cast, still not an ad. But maybe 2024. D- did you reach out? No. Well, then fuck, that's not happening. Well, you don't know that. I just said right. maybe. Or maybe. God. And we do have a whole year. Never say never, Justin Bieber. As I mentioned with the Jersey voting, join our Discord. Link is provided in the Google Doc of the show notes of the show. On Twitter, in our link tree, or just exclamation point Discord and chat. Check it out. Check it out. Speaking of Twitter, or X, whatever the hell you want to call it it's now. It's Twitter, goddammit. Fuck you, Elon. Find us there. Updates going out regularly. Josh has some pretty good posts over there, I'd say. Uh, I don't, but thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> Go find us on Twitter. We also have an Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok for shorts. Also on our YouTube, you can find... Who does those? Uh, our VODs. Juan. All in Juan. He's all in. Juan. Hell yeah. He's number one. Shout out Juan. He's amazing. Go to hsprotalk.com. But where would that bring you? It'll actually bring you to EvolvedHalo.com. You're home for Halo! Go check out Podcast Evolved. Great people, great shows. Such as Podcast Evolved, Mission Debrief, Halo TV Plus, Book Club, Build With Blocks, Halo Headlines, and Halo Gear Guide. Go do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. That's all I got, Josh. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the show ended up being a lot longer than I thought it would be. You are not wrong about that. <laughs> Thanks, Austin. Thank you, Austin. Um, this is our last show for 2023. It's it kind of still hasn't set in a little bit, but uh, yeah, this is the last show of 2023. Um, which means we'll be gonna we're gonna get into our six year anniversary coming up very soon. 
Six years. Did you see that uh, Twitter? We hit six years on Twitter. Yeah. Because we probably made the account before we actually started doing yes. the podcast. But yep. Yeah. I saw that and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Say our six year anniversary of the show will be coming up in January. Um, we don't have anything really special planned because it's six years, but hey, it's pretty fucking cool. Been doing it. We'll be uh, we're over 300 episodes, which is fucking insane. Basically weekly. Um, so I just want to take this opportunity to say you guys are fucking amazing. Um, this show literally wouldn't be what it is without you guys. Um, whether it be you listen for a minute or the whole show, whether you lurk, whether you chat, whether you leave a comment, whether you don't, the show literally would not be the same without you. Um, it's surreal how many episodes this thing has, how long we've been going for. And we don't so no shine, no, no signs of stopping. So thank you so much for everything over these last upcoming six years. And we can't wait to fucking keep it going. It's going to be a good time. Um, stay tuned for the Patreon changes coming in 2024. If you are a patron or if you're thinking about becoming a patron 2024, we got some things cooking changes coming. Hope you're excited. It's going to be a good time. Uh, the joke is beaten to death, beaten to death, but I'll just say it like this. From us to you, we'll see you next year. Because it's true. The next show will be next year. Guys, he's here in the chat right now. He's streaming as well. We're going to go right up. Why not be casting this time around? Go make sure to show Tony some love. Tony, love you. Chat, you're fucking amazing. Go sign up with a duo for the PD doubles tournament that's taking place this weekend. Grab a duo, sign up, compete, show PD some love as well. We're going to go raid Why Not. You guys have a great night. We'll see you next year. But until then, bye-bye.